This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, December 27th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family are continuing the holiday savings right through the new year. Mike Lindell is bringing you rest, relaxation, and comfort with everything on sale down at MyPillow. And a promo code stake at checkout here. You're going to save up to 80% on a lot of items. More of a morning person? They've got my coffee launched as well. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. You enter promo code stake here. You're going to get 25% off your purchase, 50% off a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash stake for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, mystore.com forward slash stake. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, will always be there for you. Get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our good friend Alan has launched the Patriot Cigar Company. They are plucked from the fields of Nicaragua right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Aged three years, hand-rolled. A promo code stake here you're getting a whopping 25% off through the new year every purchase over 100 free shipping $10 e-gift card included with every purchase mypatriotcigars.com a premium smoke for freedom loving patriots Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms been servicing Southern California for over a decade he's a licensed FFL if you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada he's also got a 5 star rating his newly redesigned easy to use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com he's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone 619-870-6992 Steak for Breakfast backs the blue we love our first responders and they're always working hard while they're off duty they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic sweatshirts t-shirts flip flops fanny packs and more stickers and patches for while they're on the beat plus they've got a pretty fire IG MediocreMedic.com is the website there. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair and home 
of the Zero Fucks Duck. Got some new ones coming out soon. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Check him out at dumpbox.us. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at steakforbreakfastpodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. Welcome. Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 199. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. Hey, guys. Guys, we've got a great show coming in out of the Christmas break in preparation for our 200th episode this Friday. Tons of news breaking. No guests. But all that steak for breakfast, wholesome goodness that you've come to enjoy. So let's jump right into it. Hey, so I tell you, I am, I'm so impressed. Uh, Task Force West got this mission basically on Saturday. And OLS, the staff, was able to move 400 people to El Paso, over 40 vehicles. And what you can see is, I mean, they did it in 72 hours. And their ability to work together is so incredibly impressive. This morning, the SP time was 4, 4 a.m., and they absolutely crushed it. Um, really impressed with what they're doing. They're focused on deterrence. They're focused on sending a message uh, that unlawful crossings is not an option. You've got to go to the POE. And the way they've rolled out this morning and what they are doing is just incredibly impressive. This is, this is the totality of the TMD. We've got the Air Guard. Uh, yesterday, they brought in four C-130s, uh, brought in the rest of the packs, some of the vehicles, um, the equipment that's needed today and being used. Um, couldn't do it without them. It's, it's the, the whole TMD, it's the State Guard, it's the Army Guard and the Air Guard coming together and uh, demonstrating that we can be where we need to be anywhere on this border. We can surge in a very short, short amount of time. That was Major General Ronald Burkett. Who the fuck is Ronald? He's leading the charge down there on the nice. U.S. southern border in Texas, talking about how their Christmas Eve preparations did not involve figgy pudding. Nice. What is TM- TMD? I don't know. Yeah. Texas Migrant Division? Mm. Anyway, is that, that's Texas, yeah? Yeah, it is. I like it. So, welcome to Steak for Breakfast. Those are you who are joining us for the first time today. Welcome. Those who are our longtime listeners, welcome back. Um, coming in hot out of the Christmas holiday here. One thing that did not cool off over the Christmas break was the crisis down at the southern border. I just got some numbers in. Believe it or not, imagine this, Noah. What? After the omnibus got passed on Friday um, in an 11th hour vote, thanks Mitch McConnell and friends. Oh, bitch McConnell. And everybody got on their planes, trains, and automobiles <laughs> to, to head out for the weekend uh, and enjoy their Christmas break. DHS quietly released the numbers for November. 233-plus thousand apprehensions, not including getaways. Just Is that a, that's a reasonable amount of uh, spiking, yeah. I think? Yes. Over... yes, Antoinette, that is just for November of 2022. Oh, my God. The largest month of apprehensions in the history of the Border Patrol. I'm apprehensive about these levels of apprehensions. Just over the weekend, it wasn't a Merry Christmas for the people working on the U.S. southern border. 17,000 plus apprehensions, not including mm. getaways. So, apprehensions, and if you look at that astronomical number, mm-hmm. and you think that all these uh, border officials and agents are 
handing out juice boxes and mm. catering to the the needs and whims of the uh, the migrant caravans that are just wandering across the border, changing through open diapers. spots, changing diapers, doing whatever. Yeah. Not, not, not doing their job and patrolling. Those numbers of gotaways must be astronomical in comparison. Mm. I can't disagree well, I, with you. I saw a number of like something like 4 million. Was that for the year? So Did it's cl- it's close to 5 million since the cl- since the start of the Biden administration and the estimated okay. totals for I believe this year is over 600,000 getaways and it's 1.5 million ish uh for the two years of the Biden regime. Jesus. Yeah, and and guess what? Remember last week. But wait, there's more. Yeah, we had John Roberts come in hot on Monday afternoon last week and and enter a stay for the Title 42 protections what's left of it cuz we've all reported widely on this show, at least, that Alejandro Mayorkas has punched more holes in Title 42 than a piece of Swiss cheese. I wish I would have bet money with somebody that, that it was going to get pushed past Christmas. I fucking knew it. I fucking said it. I even said I wasn't as optimistic as you were when you suggested it. I remember on the show, uh, I thought it was, they were just going to say, you want to know what, this is your admin, this is what you want to do? Fuck it. Yeah, I should have had Antoinette put some money down. I'm sure they were doing that on Vegas. Oh, true story. <laughs> right. But uh, the Biden administration was tasked with entering in why it should get taken away in official format as a rebuttal to the Supreme Court by Friday of last week. Let me guess. Never no happened. answer. So as of today where we sit on Tuesday, Title 42 could be lifted at any time because John Roberts' stay was not an, an infinite one. It was one that was uh, kind of a Band-Aid while they you know, get their shit together and say, if you are legally going to want us to adhere to the law that you want us to change that you started, mm-hmm. you have to tell us why. And it has to be official, and we have to go through the legal process of it. You have to justify it. So, okay, so it's 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 currently under a stay. Yes. Now they can just wait for the stay to expire and still do whatever they want without addressing the legal legality of what the stay was uh, addressing? Yes, <laughs> technically. But they didn't put an end date on it. So who, they just, who's answering this? Uh, KJP? It sounds like one of her fucking answers. I already told you we're going to lift it. Well, listen. That's why. We follow the law. And there is a law. It's historic. And we're going to follow it. And it was the law yeah. <laughs> that we put into place. First of its kind. Last and, of its kind. In the history of laws. Yeah. Okay. It was historic. And culturally specific. Let's hear a little bit more on uh, the possibility of Title 42 ending as early as or t- magi- today. Magically delicious? Mm. Still using Title 42 until the very, very end is still leaving some experts about the border wanting more. There, there are about seven statements in the last 10 days on DHS's website, not one that says we're going to enforce the border better, not one that says we're going to give the Border Patrol agents and the front line of DHS the tools that they need, the tools that they know work to secure and solve the problem on our southwest border. White House officials have been mostly quiet on this, and it's been nearly a week since we were told the White House's Title 42 replacement details would be coming in a call. A call that still hasn't happened yet. So look, I know there's been uh, been a lot of rumors, a lot of speculations. Uh, I just, I'm not going to uh, go off of everything. I wouldn't go off of everything that you're hearing uh, quite yet, uh, but we will have sh- some more to share tomorrow, and, and there will be a, a call, too, on this very, on these very, very, varying issues. They're telling us not to go off of everything we are hearing, but they are not telling us what they want us to know about 
the policy to follow. The president is here at the White House with the first family. He's got a presidential daily briefing. So that's pretty much the gist. So, so that was heading into the weekend. Wait, so she literally came out and said there was going to be a call, and then there was no call. There was no call. And and that's the thing. We made it through the weekend. <laughs> what she, the, the president was very busy. He left his cell phone in the sofa cushions and spilled some ice cream, and his phone was inoperable. That's why we didn't make the call. Mm-hmm. And I've told you before that the president does make all his own calls with his own phone. It's one of those elderly phones with the big pictures. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. iPad. It's, it's got scratch and sniff stickers of little kids on the back. I say. You're going to find out where Biden is at the end of our cold open today. You're not going to be thrilled. Oh. So, yeah, he is going to need a little bit of uh, copper tone, and, and probably it's, it's a better than average climate for eating ice cream. What a dick. Speaking of which, Greg Abbott was referred to one over the Christmas holiday <laughs> because I don't know if you guys saw it, not once, not twice, but thrice, buses of migrants from Texas arrived at the front door of Kamal Harris. I just saw I was like a briefly, I was laughing so hard. I'm like, what are they going to do? It would have been, it would have been such an epic own on her part if yeah. she would have yeah. brought them all in done a big fucking photo op and yeah. like made hot chocolate and given them fucking presents or whatever the fuck. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's, we got to remember the reason for the season. And, and although we do wish everyone and, and hope everyone had an amazing Christmas, like we all did here on the show. Uh, I, I do have to refer back to the only book that matters. I mean, when the inn was full, they slept in the barn <laughs> and uh, apparently the inn was full at the uh, Kamala Manor. When you said that, you looked over at Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds? Mm-hmm. I was just like, wait, how are you going to reference that? Oh, the other one. Chances are zero. Yeah, I don't think we have that book in the studio. So everybody pretty much had a meltdown over it over the course of the weekend, starting with uh, an MSNBC contributor. I saw her absolutely shitting her pants, <laughs> talking about the, uh, you know, immorality of it. Let's hear her. Americans, again, continue to see this as the entry fee to the GOP ticket in 2024 and having a hard stance on immigration is that platform for them. Um, to me, on Christmas Eve, busing, you know, three busloads of migrants to the vice president's house is shameful. It's disgusting and it should be called out for what it is. But instead, they're, you know, as it was pointed out earlier, the RNC is putting out statements about the border numbers instead, um, rather than, you know, calling this a shameful political play that it was. Um, so I, I'm quite disgusted by it. There does need to be real issues to solve this problem and Republicans would be the first to tell you that they don't you know believe in, in COVID being a thing anymore so why is title 42 still around man you you let her off easy I, I was waiting for like the the perfect moment oh boy here's the thing they call it disgusting and inhumane and this that and the other thing you've you've got 17 thousand plus people crossing the border just this weekend illegally you know, claiming fraudulent asylum. Well, I mean, I'm sure those those migrants at the vice president's home probably got scooped up by an NGO almost they, instantaneously. They did. They did. They 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 were outside for less than an hour, but they're talking about like, oh, these people have they have small children and babies, and they're single. I'm like, what about the people wading through the rivers when it's? They're what in about a deep the people throwing their babies over the fence, literally? Yeah. 
absolutely embarrassing. And you want to know what's even more embarrassing, the fact that they, they want to talk about how much this is a Republican virtue single and something that, you know, Republicans are going to be using uh, as part of their campaign platforms in, in 2024. First of all, good, because we need to. We didn't talk about it enough in the midterms. Obviously, we didn't scare enough people. Hopefully, the $5 million that are set to come in just the next year alone after Title 42, what's left of it is taken away, will be enough to incentivize people to get out and, and vote. We don't talk about the, the over 80 people in just the Border Patrol alone that have died this year, including 14 suicides and two murders. And 14 suicides being... All time high. All, the, all three of those numbers are all time high. And it's and it's a it's a giant leap. It's what um, what was the percentage? You you have that offhand? No, but it, it was it, huge, vast. Yeah, yeah. And we've always referred to it. I, I don't have the exact number off the top of my head, but in the last three years, more people have died in line of duty deaths or suicide in the agencies that protect our border than they had in the ten years prior total. It's embarrassing. I, I mean, it's it's not surprising. I mean, we think these people, I, I think I addressed this another time a few weeks ago. These people are doing this job. I mean, yeah, it probably pays well, but they're doing it because they actually care. They're doing it because it's something that matters. And when you take away your ability to, I mean, a lot of these people, like, I mean, the, the hours for the, for these occupations are, are, are a lot. And it probably takes a huge toll on people's family lives, just in general, just being in law enforcement at all. And then these people are literally taking away the one thing that's good about their job is enforcing the law. And now they're just like, yeah, I could be a babysitter anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. It's very ugly. I saw CNN would continue on with some of the same narrative over the weekend. They were hitting everybody up in their podcast studios in home just to get a, a hot take on this. Let's hear them. I, I do want to ask you about the, the several busloads of migrants before we go who, who were dropped off in front of uh, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris's residence in, in D.C. over the holiday weekend. Uh, the White House says the governor of, of your state, Greg Abbott, is responsible. Just wanted to get your take on that. Well, busing immigrants out of this area in a way helps us because it, it, it takes us out of, uh, out of our area. But, it, but it's not not solution to the problem. I wish our governor, along with our president and everybody else in Congress, would sit down and figure this out through through, through proper laws. Uh, what what, you, what we're seeing here and plus in this immigrants is nothing more than theater because it's not the solution. All right. Well, we'll be awaiting the Supreme Court decision, uh, as I'm sure you will be, and hopefully we'll catch up again soon. All the best to you uh, this holiday season. Thank you so much, Richard Cortez, for joining Thank us. You. And that was Judge Richard Cortez, a, a Democrat judge in Hidalgo County down there in Texas, one of the hardest hit areas of, of the border crisis over the last couple of years. And here's the thing. I like his little jab, like, oh, you know, took took the people out of our area. So that kind of was nice. But, but the fact of the matter is, you know, he, he, he says facts to the politically uneducated that just aren't true. If Greg Abbott would just sit down with both sides of members of Congress, Greg Abbott went on Tucker Carlson. We played the clip on our Friday edition of the show last week. Tucker Carlson was giving him shit. And he's like, Tucker. I did go sit down with Congress. You know how much money they gave me for the border? Zero dollars. And that's when Tucker went into, oh, you need to do it yourself. You'll be like the man yeah. of the year if you if you just say, like, I want all of my donors to come in here and every dollar you give me will go towards border security and we'll do it ourselves against the federal government and we'll see how good that works because Tucker thought that if they do something like that, Joe Biden and his administration would back down. I'm not as optimistic as Tucker was because we've seen just in the last two weeks lawsuits in both the Tucson sector of Arizona and portions of Texas that the Biden administration has won 
and now they're being forced to remove the container walls that they had built uh, to stop the migrants and funnel them closer to more humane places to come in, like ports of entry and stuff like that. Why do they care if there's container walls up? It's it's literally just, uh, we don't want you to do anything. Well, why did the Biden administration sue and then come and take the border that was left in Tucson away from mm-hmm. Doug Ducey after he started using the stuff that they abandoned and was starting to, like, rust to build more parts of the wall that they never finished under the Trump Oh, so they went and collected it and put it in storage somewhere else so he couldn't use it. It's it's literally, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my ball and go home. Yep, that's what definitely is. And the entire premise wait, for wait, the— did, in- you, did you say ball or wall? <laughs> the the entire premise for everything that's going on with the Democratic Party is low information, quote unquote, voters and low information people in general, where they're just going to give you these little nuggets of stuff that you can run off and tell all your friends, but not have any actual substance to what's really going on. And it just creates these mindless drones that are just like, COVID is real and put on a mask and the border is evil and it's fucking retarded. Masks are coming back. I saw the Boston public education system is talking about bringing masks back after Christmas break. Bringing masks. Yeah. To to the (laughs) in-person learning. (laughs) I was uh, good old Boston. I was somewhere the other day and there was somebody standing around with me and uh, somebody rolled up in a vehicle as they were driving by where I was standing. And I was like, well, I can tell this person's retarded. Because they're wearing a mask in the car by themselves. It's mm. like you're you're lost. It's a lost cause. Mm. Yeah, it is. I saw the uh, vice president of the National Border Patrol Council over the weekend. He was on Fox News. That's uh, Art Del Cueto. He was talking about, you know, just some of the logistics and legalities of it. I think we're trying to piece this all together for you so you're as informed as possible before Title 42 drops probably this week. Let's hear him. Border Patrol Council Vice President Art Del Cueto. Art, I think the news here is that we're all looking to the end of Title 42, that authority that allows Border Patrol to expel certain migrants as they come across the border and are apprehended. What is CBP, what is Border Patrol doing to prepare for this? That's that's part of the problem. They're, they're not preparing at all. They're just going to wait and see what knee-jerk reaction they can come up with next. It's similar to what we've seen before with the caravans. You know, it's been caravans after caravans. You're familiar with it. You guys have reported on it. And, you know, a new caravan comes up, and they're not prepared. It's a knee-jerk reaction. Unfortunately, it's going to be the same thing with this. And, you know, it falls on this administration. They've created that magnet. I see what they're saying. Look, individuals are coming across. You know, it's Christmas and all those issues. But at the end of the day, this administration created that magnet. This crisis falls on the hands of this administration because they continue to tell people, come across, everything's going to be fine, ask for asylum and you will get released. And, you know, if there's not a consequence for committing the action and committing the crime, individuals will continue to commit this crime, and that's what the problem is. It certainly is. And, uh, you know, talking about the knee-jerk reaction, listen, when Title 42 finally is officially taken away, what's left of it, right? And, and everyone just, and believe me, just south of the U.S. southern border in, in Mexico, there are hundreds of thousands of people staged, ready to come in. I don't know if they're all coming at once. I don't, I can't, you know, make a decision uh, just based off of what I saw that, you know, Bill Malusian, Jorge Ventura, who I talked to in text messages the other day, he painted a pretty bleak picture. He's out in Arizona right now and says, you know, they're getting slammed anywhere between 700 and 1,700 Oof. a shift. And, uh, you know, 
the Biden administration is going to go out and of course they're going to say like, this is all stuff that is, uh, you know, this is a reaction of, of how the last administration treated asylum seekers. And there's just no way we could have saw this to be as bad as it is right now. There's no way we could have predicted this. There's no forecasting how many of these people would have come when literally we just played you half a dozen clips so far of people saying like they have no plan and there are a lot of people coming. And, you know, that's that's how they've been able to navigate the entirety of this regime since it's come in. Burn everything that was in place down. Um, Mike Howell from the Heritage Foundation, one of our great friends on the show, uh, was, was on with uh, Katie Pavlich over the weekend. And, you know, talking about another one of the components that we talk about on the show a lot, a lot of others do not. And it's all of the connective tissue that makes this whole border crisis work. The gear greasers, one of Alejandro Mayorkas's favorite pawns in this whole game, the NGOs. Let's hear him uh, kind of, uh, you know, bring into perspective some of that stuff that's going on, too. Study that answers some of my big questions about this border crisis. I've covered the border for years. I'm from Arizona. Hmm. Who are these NGOs and who's paying them? So a lot of them uh, present as charitable and Christian organizations and they have facilities all across the, the southern border. And basically what happens is, as Tom Homan just laid out, Border Patrol turns over illegal aliens to these NGOs, and the NGOs provide them with the onward transits wherever they need to go. As to the payment, who's paying them? Well, you are. I am. Yep. The U.S. taxpayer uh, gives them a lot of money to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars to Catholic charities alone last year. And this omnibus bill that just passed, uh, they're getting the biggest payday of their lives. Uh, we're talking billions and billions of dollars through HHS and DHS will then be handed over for this whole processing operation. It's it's a, a staggering amount of money to move a staggering amount of people. Hmm. NGOs. I heard some of those NGOs are losing their licenses for being fucking sketchy as shit. Oh, imagine that. What, what do you what, what what would you think? Like, you mean you just can't pick up a couple thousand people and take them to like a church that holds like fifty people in it and say it's legit? No. Really? I mean, yeah. It's not just Catholic charities either. Christian charities, Jewish charities, and there's a lot of just uh, ones that operate under, like, LLC ships that uh, are involved with this. We do want to remind everybody, earlier in this year, again, not reported in many other places, but we talked about it on here. Alejandro Mayorkas took a trip down to South America and met with some of the biggest heads of the NGOs. He was Black Hawk helicopter escorted in. Uh, after using government funds to fly down to South America and then get onto an aircraft carrier and then fly into wherever they met to have a, you know, a discussion about how we can make this uh, a faster process, how we can make this a more humane process down there, not here. Here it's like you come in, you get your essentially a ticket, and then you're into the wind. Find ice if you want. Mm-hmm. Have a nice life. And the, it's so sketchy with these NGOs. Yeah. I mean, because if, if people aren't familiar with what a non-governmental organization is, it's basically just a group that functions independently of any government. So it's basically controlled by the government, but it's independent of the government, which is super convenient. It's going to be nonprofit. Uh, it's going to be... It's going to serve a political goal, which is... Nonprofit, but there is a profit in it, though. Yeah, right? well, no, because they make... Uh, they run budgets of millions and billions of dollars a year. So you're going to tell me that the people that are in these NGOs aren't paying the rent with it yeah. and just greasing palms and 
shaving money off the top. It's sketch. Um, Mike Mike Howell from the Heritage Foundation just said hundreds of millions of dollars a year, if not more, is allotted to these NGOs to assist in the Biden regime's human smuggling. How much is uh, how much NGO uh, money was in the omnibus bill? Do we know that? It's mm, a good question. I do know there was uh, cable television and catered food and heating air conditioning earmarks in there for all the migrants going to the detention centers now. They shan't miss the NFL playoffs. <laughs> I bet there uh, I bet there wasn't any like improvements for I don't know the people that work at the border. Oh, how dare you like, even mention that? That is their job. Yeah. Hey, they know what they signed up for. Yeah. They certainly did. And and to say otherwise means that you're not only a misogynistic bigot, you're racist. <laughs> and I'm a Putin puppet. You do love Putin. <laughs> Claudia Tenney. Pudding? Mm. Congresswoman from New York jumped on Newsmax over the weekend. They were talking about this as well. I'd like to uh, play this part. She's talking about some of the border security issues. Uh, you know, these guys are facing down there. Let's hear her. We have record numbers of people coming across the border. We have these border states like Arizona and Texas that cannot handle the mass uh, outpouring of people coming in. The Democrats are trying to destroy Title 42. Oh, it's uh, destroyed. A fix to Title 42, or at least an amendment to it, to keep it in place was rejected it was a it was a, a point of big contention uh in the omnibus spending bill that just passed uh because the democrats uh left-hand wing doesn't want the doesn't want to do anything about our border they want to continue to let them flow across the border so i have to say i know that the governor uh is is using desperate measures to deal with a desperate situation and we don't have the resources i have a bill that is called the direct funds to the border act which would take all this money we spent to create 87,000 new IRS agents. That would bring our IRS to the size of the U.S. Marine Corps and redirect that funding to creating border protection and border patrol. Very little was done on this in this massive 1.9, in reality, trillion uh, omnibus spending bill that we just passed in the couple days ago yeah, here in D.C. Let's dig in more on that omnibus bill. We'll talk specifically about, we'll show our viewers what's in there on Border Patrol. CBP getting about $16.7 billion in funding. It's about a $1.8 billion increase. $230 million goes to border technology for security, but there's really, that might just be helping with regular crossings, not really stop with the security there. So what I'm, what I'm wondering is, if $230 million for security for the U.S., but $410 million for enhanced border security for countries like Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Tunisia, uh, and Oman, mm, how does that happen? Good old Oman. Well, obviously, they're not taking that seriously. And by the way, we, this was a bipartisan bill. A small number of Republicans voted for this in the Senate and in the Assembly, or Aaron in the Congress and the House, and that's unfortunate. You know, uh, we have we're spending more money on foreign affairs on programs for the UN, which sure. is hostile relations toward our allies like Israel and others. And uh, we're not focusing on the real issues that matter here. Now, there were some good things. You know, we had an increase in defense spending, but overall, this really failed to meet the needs of Americans. Yeah, don't 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 buy into that narrative. I don't agree with that at all. Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky, uh, you know, punched holes in that one when when he talked about the omnibus. Listen. Do we need to increase government spending so much when when half of the, you know, highest uh, brass in the military is either transgender or can't leave the house without wearing 17 masks and the entirety of them have gotten COVID like 150 times and dog masks? 
in addition to that, no one's invading the United States right now. We keep going down the road we're going on. That might be a different story. Not like the former Russian prime minister uh, hypothesized over the weekend on Twitter about, which sounded like a really awesome Tom Clancy and Michael Bay uh, Amazon Prime movie, but uh, not reality that we're living in here. She also kept hitting on the fiscal year budget. Listen, all talks of that is out the window right now. Starting on January 3rd, after the new Congress, the 118th, is sworn in, they will begin to work budget appropriations and start to hold those hearings and stuff like we see every year on Steak for Breakfast for fiscal year 2024's budget. Mitch McConnell and his pull and Kevin McCarthy and his current weakness allowed for that budget to pass, so all talks of it are out the window. Mm. There's no defunding anything. There's no reappropriating anything. There's no talks of government show. As far as government shutdowns go, we're safe this year, but... Like I've always said on the show, I almost would have rather had that shit shut down than allowed that huge piece of crap, which when you read the fine print, we can get close to $10 trillion if they get creative with it. They always say the $1.7 some odd dollar omnibus bill that's going to keep the government funded. When you look at all the bullshit, the pork, the green new bullshit, and all the other stuff that's interwoven into that thing, you can get creative and get close to $10 trillion, which would put our debt right around $40 trillion and... As a lot of people tried and failed, you know, we, we have to move on to that. You know, talking about all the surprising stuff that's in it right now, all that is is just word salad. It's I want to make commentary because I don't have anything important to talk about because it's passed and there's no going back from it. So there will, won't be anything else for border security. There could be 50 million people that cross the U.S. southern border this year. No one is going to give any more money to anybody down there, but guaranteed we'll be giving more money to Ukraine. So keep that in mind. Now, now no, I, and Antoinette, I promised at the beginning of the show, we started with a little Biden and we're going to end with a little Biden. Mm-hmm. We never got the official rebuttal to what the Biden administration's plan is for title 42 ending back to the Supreme court. We're in Tuesday right now and we're still waiting. Um, but I did see Doug Ducey. He was outside the white house yesterday talking about his busy, not his, the Biden family's holiday weekend. Hey, were those Biden family putting up the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve <laughs> memes? Just great. They were so great. I, I was showing my wife. I got through like four of them. I said, I guarantee one of the next ones is, is Hunter Biden in his underwear. And there he was. Uh, they had, they had the, the, hu- the guy with the huge wiener as the tree topper. It was like so great. The S&M bears from um, that. The military? No, not ah. them. The bears from, from the kitty porn designer fashion company oh balenciaga yeah they were they were like decorated on the tree it was that whole thing was just weird i i went back and looked at the post and some people had commented on it first of all why are you putting the christmas tree in front of fucking double doors it's like they were blocking like the entrance to a room with a christmas tree and then why are you putting it up on christmas eve i'm sleeping i know probably just cgi anyway here's doug ducey uh letting everybody know where the regime basement dweller will be for the rest of the year there the president has a lot on his plate and for the next few days he's going to be dealing with all of it from afar because the first family stayed here at the white house for christmas but plans tomorrow to fly to vacation for the rest of this year and the beginning of next year in saint croix rich not too not too shabby indeed what do you Mm. think guys Trashola. Never been, but I uh, heard it's nice this time of year. Definitely a lot warmer than D.C. When you're in the um, all-inclusive resort, it's probably a little bit less crime. You think? Hunter Biden's going to have a field day down there. Oh, my gosh. 
No, but the fact of the matter is send a vacuum repairman. That yeah, that's that's the current bleak picture of the U.S. southern border that ties what happened with the failure to stop the omnibus bill last week, which turns out to be the omnibus bill for the American people, and uh, another non-showing by all of these supposed America First patriots and Congress people up on Capitol Hill who bend the knee to Mitch McConnell. Don't have a strong enough delegation behind Kevin McCarthy, which we'll get into in News 2 a little bit later. But, you know, we're going to switch gears now. There has been some new revelations that have come out with the Twitter files. And uh, I do want to start getting into this because we, we've covered it in bits and pieces as it's broke. But well, let's give it a little bit more attention where attention's due. Bombshells on Christmas Eve detailing coordination between the tech giant and government agencies that went way beyond the FBI. We've got complete coverage now. Our political panel sounds off in just a minute. you got to stay tuned to that. But we begin with White House correspondent Peter Ducey on the North Lawn. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Julie. And Christmas Eve, not usually where you put news that you want people to pay attention to. That would be a traditional news dump. But that is when this latest installation of the Twitter files came out. It is a 30-tweet thread. And uh, part of it... Uh, in the opinion of Matt Taibbi, finds this. The files show there, the FBI <laughs> acting as a doorman to a vast program of social media surveillance and censorship encompassing agencies across the federal government from the State Department to the Pentagon to the CIA. He also Shocker. writes, Twitter had so much contact with so many agencies that executives lost track. Is today the DOD and tomorrow the FBI? Is it the weekly call or the monthly meeting? It was dizzying. The FBI does not deny that this contact happened. Instead, they are trying to explain why it happened with this. The correspondence between the FBI and Twitter show nothing more than examples of our traditional, longstanding, and ongoing federal government and private sector engagements, which include numerous companies over multiple sectors and industries. As evidenced in the correspondence, the FBI provides critical information to the private sector in an effort to allow them to protect themselves and their customers. Mm. But there are critics who say there is a line and the FBI crossed it. I mean, uh, look, I was mayor of Miami-Dade and, and uh, in charge of the, uh, one of the largest uh, police agencies uh, in the United States, Miami-Dade Police Department. We did surveillance on, on Twitter and social media all the time to, to take a look at gang activity and all that, but we never try to suppress anything. And so censorship, that's the problem. White House officials have not had very much to say at all about these so-called Twitter files and the official counts here, as well as staff accounts, continue tweeting a lot. Julie? <laughs> I bet. All right, Peter Ducey. Thank you. Mm. Well, yeah, that happened over the weekend. Um, what do you guys think? Answer What do you think? You know, the, the two newest Twitter dumps are are COVID-related, but it also showed that so many other agencies, like not just the FBI, the CIA, the DOD, the DNI, probably the FDA, CDC, mm -hmm. you know, have all been complicit in not only dictating what the narrative of the news cycle in the United States is going to be, and worldwide when you talk about things like the pandemic, you also have to talk about repression. I mean, we, we did read some of those internal emails from the San Francisco FBI field office directly to Twitter last week. And it's like, yeah, I know some of these are like small, obscure shit poster accounts, but we consider them violating uh, terms of service, even though they weren't. Can right. you please uh, shadow ban them back to the stone age and then eventually delete them? Yeah. We just don't like them. They haven't really done anything wrong, but we just want them to go away. I mean, when you have the president himself requesting somebody to get 
you know, banned off of the, of Twitter. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. You know, we, we've had Dr. Navarro on the show several times and he talked about all the stuff with COVID. I, I think one of the biggest breaks for him was, uh, there was that weekend where they had a big meeting at the white house. It was like parts of the COVID response team, which include Pence bricks and Dr. Fauci. Also Dr. Zelenko was there and, and some others. And they talked about, you know, being able to run over the course of the weekend without um, blocking the narrative that the hydroxychloroquine and, and ivermectin were going to be suitable treatments. We know what that would have done for the overall narrative regarding the vaccines, but they were pretty adamant about telling Fauci, like, listen, we're going to talk about this on Monday at our COVID response team press conference. Don't go out over the fucking weekend and tell everybody it's ridiculous. And what did Dr. Fauci do? He went on CBS, ABC, MSNBC, CNN, anyone that would take them and said that people are going to be propping up these alternative treatments and therapies to combat, you know, COVID in, in, in the very beginning. And, and, you know, he basically said like, well, this is pretty much witchcraft. People are just making this stuff up and never really got a footing. And it's and- everything he said has been so <laughs> everything I've said has been the truth as I see it. And uh, just imagine that what I'm saying is is actually coming out of a D- Dr. Fauci bobblehead that says it still says fire Fauci on his website. It still says fire me on on, <laughs> on Rand Paul's website. No, but it, he, there's literally all this shit coming out where he literally says that masks don't work. Yep. Every and it's six just like feet, oh wait hold on was made up. Nobody knows where that came from. Apparently, they made it up. Yeah, they just made it up. I mean, it's you're reasonable to think that six feet would be a safe distance to for a communicable disease. Yes, but for every business on the planet to put those little things on the floor. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And and when you, when it comes down to it, all those shits came from China. Yep. All these masks are coming from China. It's like if you went door to door and asked people. Hi, uh, I'm I'm uh, here on behalf of the CCP and the Chinese military. I'm just wondering if you'd like to donate uh, to our superior uh, war fighting strength and uh, you know the the strength of the Chinese Communist Party. Would you would you like to donate? They're like, hell no, I don't want to donate to that. Why would I want to make the Chinese military stronger? It's like, well, do you buy shit from China on Amazon? Do you, hey, do, hey, you do you have a business that manufactures all your shit in China? Do you do you think the government should be buying? literal container ships full of fucking masks that do nothing from China because we are. Does it, does it change your mind if I say we're looking for a spring campaign in Taiwan? <laughs> Asshole. Because that's coming. Mm. Uh, I, I think the fact of the matter is though, and one thing we could all agree on, li- listenership included, is that all the FBI does and has done for a while is is lie. Uh, a lot of people said it was like rotten at the top and there's patriots throughout the branches and stuff. And listen, for all of our FBI agents that are listening out there, mm. we don't think that everyone that's in all these federal law enforcement agencies are bad people. Obviously, there's good ones on there. Do you think if I put our our microphones on mute, they can still hear us? How dare we? <laughs> but, you know, the fact of the matter is... Hold on, let's try it. That's where you press the asshole button. Nope. Oh, we're back. Yeah, and we're back. Did you, did you guys hear that? No. FBI? They probably did. Yeah. But, but the fact of the matter is, is that... You know, even even the projection they use on TV. You watch some of these shows now. There, there's a, there's a new one out. I can't remember what the name of it is off the top of my head, but I, I've been watching it. And 
it seems like it's the same premise for all of these shows, whether it be like the FBI or, you know, Black Ops military show or CIA, you know, related shows and stuff like that. Now, all they do, instead of, you know, putting people like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible or like Bruce Willis in Die Hard and people like that in the movies, they put in some obscure fucking nerd who like was a math genius and a data analyst and, and now they're like out in the field, like, you know, two tapping people fucking <laughs> head. And, uh, you know, they always have like this breaking point in all these shows of like, why do you do this? And it's like, when I was young, I was a bully and I didn't like the way society treated me. And now I'm in the CIA and I just kill people. And I'm just like, is this the really the way it is? Are these agencies just filled up with like soy drinking fucking nerds who have an agenda against anyone that they think is like a bully to them. And they, have turned into this, like, huge apparatus that goes around censoring the entirety of the world and stuff they don't like to hear, because that's what it seems like. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we, we've reached a point now to where it's like, I just saw today, it was breaking across the wire on our Tuesday edition of Steak for Breakfast, that the so-called, and I'm air-quoting here, mastermind in, oh. the, in the Gretchen Whitmer fednapping case got, like, almost 20 years in fucking jail. What? For what? How? There was more FBI agents in his gang than there was gang members. They had an FBI agent. They had an FBI agent literally banging this dude to get him to do bad stuff. Right. Oh my gosh. I mean, well, that part doesn't sound so bad. Was she hot? Was it worth twenty years in the can? Was he hot? (laughs) No, they all looked like Michigan militiamen. Oh, large, burly, bearded men. (laughs) Yeah. Have RVs parked on the side of their house, Clark. But that's just the fact of the matter. The FBI has turned into a lot more bad than it is good. It's extremely problematic for anything that we're trying to do in this country. And when you see the rampant crime, the crisis on the border, and everything in between, uh, it just doesn't make for good news ahead. I mean, we'll be reporting it whether or not it's good or bad, but the fact of the matter is we're in a very dark spot. I saw somebody jump on Real America's Voice this weekend to talk about that. It's uh, former intelligence operations officer Tony Schaefer, and he's talking about the big lie that is the lying problem at the FBI right now. Let's hear him. Anybody who's halfway familiar with the way the world works, who reads what was in those Twitter files, understands that the FBI acted in violation of U.S. Code 18, Section 242, deprivation of rights. And let me just read it because it's worth noting. Uh, Title 18 makes it a criminal for a person to act under the color of law to to willfully deprive a person of a right or privilege protected by the Constitution or the laws of the United States. Mm. That is what they did. And what's more important, I think, from their statement, Miranda, is that they admit they're doing this all over the place. Oh, yeah, this is just this is the way we do business. Uh, And let me be very clear on this because I've had to work this I've had to do operations where we had to technically lie to the American people. It wasn't done to lie to them. It it was inadvertent to an international target we were going after. But I had to go through all these different hoops to get approval all the way to the White House just for one single little issue we wanted that lie. Now you just go lie to the FISA court. Now they feel Mm -hmm. they can lie about everything. And make no mistake, uh, I I know the person who took the Hunter Biden hard drive to the FBI in 2019, a full year before the election. The FBI knew uh, full well that that was authentic, that was not propaganda, and yet you've now had the FBI lie again. It's not a conspiracy theory, it's a fact that they had the hard drive, they went about working with social media to to remove that story, 
And now they're trying to defend their activities by saying, oh, it's just what we do. And that's something we need to pay attention to. Mm. And a lot more people are paying attention to it now, I'll tell you that much. Uh, because, you know, when you talk about things all the way from the newest ones, like the COVID that are coming out, Elon Musk assured over the weekend that they're just, uh, you know, breaking the story. And even though that was like a 30 some odd long Twitter thread regarding, you know, the COVID disinformation campaign. You the, think the CIA is going to explain themselves away with the same way? Like, that's just what we do. What, assassinate presidents? What? <laughs> well, we could always ask Mike Pompeo when he's up on the debate stage for yep. the presidential cycle. Hope Donald Trump hits him on a couple of those. Uh, but, but, you know. All the way down to, like, you know, the law enforcement stuff. And the guy makes an excellent point. We've, we've seen it uh, starting with the Spygate, which kind of parlayed itself into the Russiagate scandal. You can just go to a FISA court judge and, and fucking lie. Like, we had people, they would send emails, like, stating that the leads they were going on, let's just say with, like, Carter Page, were, like, dead ends. Mm-hmm. He was an idiot, wasn't going anywhere. They would literally go and edit the emails and then print them out and take them to a FISA judge and say, oh, that, that, this looks definitely... Good lead. We should spy on this guy. Sure. National security. We hey, we can't have a Russian agent in the White House. Yeah, that's yeah, insane. Who turned out to be the Russian agent now? Yeah. Right? So, you know, I, I, I did see that Putin over the weekend was saying that. I'm saying it for like the eighth time in 11 months. I'd like to come to the debate table, and I just want to remind the world that the only person that's winning the war in Ukraine is the United States. And he said it again this weekend. Nice. Yeah. He's, I don't, not, he's not wrong. He also did say that he would absolutely destroy Patriot missile batteries that were set up in. Yeah, so I, I looked. I looked into the Patriot missile batteries a little bit, and we've been saying that the U.S. troops have to operate them. It looks like they would probably have to send U.S. troops over there to train. I saw that article. I shared it. I said yeah. it was very. I, I would like to know more about it. Mm-hmm. I just know that the ones in Saudi Arabia and Israel and places like those, those we're are, running them. We're running them. Yeah. So I would. I would venture to say. Not that we're wrong. I would venture to say that they're probably flubbing the details a little bit. Like, these people are going to go over here and train the Ukrainian military how to use them forever. Forever. Until we take them back or they get blown up. Man, I I, I just, I don't see it being any other way. I mean. I went back and watched. I know Antoinette loved this visit when Zelensky came over during the Trump presidency. And they had their you know, fireside chat, then their dual podium press conference, and then, you know, they did whatever they were going to do. And you, you you Google stock images of that visit and every single picture. It's not because he's wearing a suit instead of a jumpsuit, but it's because of what Donald Trump was saying. And and, and it led into why Zelensky basically flipped on Donald Trump for the oh, perfect had, phone call. He has the poo-poo face every time. Like, oh, because he's I saying, just, did I just shart? He's like, listen, we, we'd really like to help you guys out. And I, and I believe that the words that Donald Trump used, I don't think it's a real thing. No, you're a little bit more of our military strategist advisor on this show. He said anti-tank busters? It would be bunker busters. There you go. And anti-tank artillery or anti-tank missiles, probably. But whatever, you can mix them together. That'd probably be pretty awesome. But, you know, I I remember Donald Trump would would circle back to that comment several times and says, we're giving you anti-tank busters and Barack Obama was giving you blankets, space blankets. So you better be appreciative. But then Donald Trump would always segue and say, I really wish that some of the, where's Poland? Where's Germany? Where's France? Where's the UK? Where's NATO? We want to expand NATO into all these different countries and bring all these new members in that we said we weren't going to do in 2009. And we've done massively since, and they don't want to pay any extra. They don't even pay their fair share. Now they don't want to pay for this. 
So I guess he was referring to the javelins. Okay. I guess those are anti-tank busters. Nice. Quote, unquote, maybe. I, I, I just know. thought the double negative of anti and buster made it. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's the actual, you know. I kind of like it when Trump says it. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, he would always point out the fact that people aren't paying their fare. And God forbid, you think anybody else in NATO or any of those European countries that mm-hmm. barely live within their own means has paid over $100 billion to this bullshit border skirmish since it started? Mm-hmm. Fact of the matter, I think the entire pot team here, probably a lot of our listenership knows at the end of the day, Russia's not giving up Crimea, and they're not giving back Donbass. So whatever they negotiate is going to be like those. Vladimir Putin has extended his Western backyard by a little bit. I mean, Ukraine isn't really the Democratic Republic that they say they are, right? They literally were part of the USSR, yes, and now they're just a region around it. And And I pointed out... I mean, I know we like to talk about it on the show. We don't get to talk about it enough. You know, our latest Substack that came out, second to latest, because our newsletter dropped today, my bad. Um, but about some of the things that Vladimir Zelensky has done since, you know, becoming president. Uh, and they always want to talk about how much of a tyrant Donald Trump was and how racist and, and bigoted and misogynistic he was. But then when you go and look at, like, the absolute, you know, uh, things that we've seen uh, Zelensky do just in the last couple months, Right. So the hero that that took our Congress by storm last week when he swept up on Capitol Hill banned opposition media, mm-hmm. including the large facets of print press in Ukraine. Yep, He's combined all of the national television channels into a state-run operation, exiled, killed, or jails mem- members of the opposition party, and banned the Ukrainian Orthodox Church from practicing within its borders. Gotta love it. Yeah, so I just, uh, I just uh, looked up on, uh, what is it? Microsoft Bing. There you go. I don't know why that's my search engine. Apparently okay. that got changed by the FBI. Uh, is Ukraine a democracy? And the first thing that pops up in a giant box, not a democracy, Ooh. according to four sources. Ooh. Ukraine, to be technical, is not a democracy, Carlson said. Democracies don't arrest political opponents. They don't shut down opposition media, both of which Ukraine has done. By the way, Ukraine is pure client state of the United States Department. State Department, actually, and that's fine. I think that was Tucker Carlson yeah. that said that, most Prob- likely. Probably factual. I see a lot of people say that he's also racist, bigoted, and misogynistic when he says stuff, but they never say he's wrong in saying it. Yeah, I mean, they, they've turned the Ukraine into a one-party state. Yes. It, it's insanity. It's, it's what they want here. And the one-party ruler of the one-party state is a puppet of our military-industrial complex. Pretty yep. safe to say that. Mm-hmm. They say the State Department, but it's much bigger than that. Yeah, and I hope any, I hope none of my other fucking Nostra dumbass predictions don't come true. Where I I think I briefly mentioned that I'm afraid that we may not actually get another election, the way everything's going here because I mean, that's what no here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. I mean, there, yes, a hundred percent. I mean, all all the I mean opposition wh- parties are dead or in jail. So. Well, yeah. I mean, all they would need to do is find some reason to do martial law here or. Another fucking pandemic of some kind, like swine herpes or whatever the fuck. I don't know. And, you know, just give them reason. Oh, you know, for your safety, we're just going to suspend uh, everything in the United States and we're just going to stay in charge. Hmm. I don't want to be right on that one. Joe Biden's a little, little long in the tooth to do that, but well, I, like, I like where you're going with it. Yeah. It's I mean, not he, like doesn't, it. he doesn't have to. I mean, if you're... If your party is re- retaining power and will not relinquish it, it doesn't matter who's there. Your next successor will be just installed. Yeah. 
much like we've seen in the House and Senate with our Republican friends there. Mitch McConnell is groomed, and yes, I use the term accurately, John Thune to take in, you know, the the daily operations for him when he's eventually out of the Senate. And I, I can only imagine how much worse that would be because John Thune's not 80-something like mm-hmm. our favorite Werther's original spokesman. Yes, and we'll hear a Christmas message from him in news too. But oh, good. sticking in the same thread and getting back to where we were talking about the the unadulterated lies that the FBI has been using as part of their weaponry uh, for the past probably decade now. I saw Ashley St. Clair sat down with America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani. We were talking about the Hunter Biden laptop in the last clip. She's talking about it here with America's Mayor. Let's hear them, Mr. Giuliani. I remember being here with our amazing reporter Chanel Rion. About two years ago, when you first broke the news of the Hunter Biden laptop on OAN and its explosive contents that were on that laptop. And in my bones, I remember feeling like this was about to be a watershed moment in American politics. So you've spent many years as a prosecutor in politics. In all your years, has this even exceeded this level of corruption, deceit? Not even close. Mafia, the cartels, the Colombian cartels. So this has been beyond Islamic terrorism, Colombian terrorism, Wall Street, the Democratic Party in New York City, which is about as corrupt as it can be. (laughs) Um, No, no, nothing like this. It exceeds the mafia. So Twitter files part six, seven, eight, we were, were learning information that the American people, people like yourself, have known for years. Yeah. In fact, I learned about it. I learned about it because in the period of time that I had, I was only able to get through a third of it. Yeah. Over the last two years, I've gotten through the rest of it, and it's um, it's endless. <laughs> Mayor, has there been any vindication on on your part? Many things, absolutely. Among people of good faith, almost everything I said has been vindicated. So that was America's mayor right there. And he said the, the, the revelations that have come through the Twitter files, just the information itself, in his mind and in his opinion, overshadow things like the operation that eventually led to the 9-11 terrorist attack, him going to war against the Italian mafia and some of the largest RICO cases in the history of our country, and the drug war that happened in New York City involving the Colombian cartel, where lots of people died and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, got addicted to uh, you know drugs while they fought the war versus the Colombian cartel there. No, what do you think when you hear America's mate? Listen, doesn't sound like he's pretty crazy or, or running around saying conspiracy theories. It, it seemed like a lot of people, when they were getting canceled, got really frustrated and maybe even desperate in trying to get their word out, mm-hmm. now have had time to kind of digest, and it's like they're just kind of sitting back and basking in the light that, listen, we heard it in one of our clips earlier, the intelligence community, the Department of Defense, all those connected, the White House, they don't give a shit. They're not even commenting on it. The mm-hmm. FBI last week was like, spying on people, schmying on people, like, whatever. <laughs> We're the FBI. Yeah, that's, that's what we do. We're spies. What do you think? Like, uh... It seems like a lot of this stuff has is, is, is circled back to come true. It's it's dis- disappointing because, yeah. I mean, everybody who was so up in arms against Trump and Orange Man Bad and that whole entire just political perspective and landscape, 
they, they've just reverted back, and I hate to keep saying it, to taking pictures of their lunch on Instagram. Yeah. But not even so much that is these people are the ones that are like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm so burned out on politics. I'm just not going to, you know, check the news anymore. I'm just going to, you know, live my life, live my best life. <laughs> it's just when it's not convenient and when there's too much bad news for your side, you can't just, like, put your head in the sand and ignore what's going on. It's It's irresponsible, if anything. Just about how everybody else in, in, in some of our federal law enforcement agencies and beyond have acted. Yep. Ashley Sinclair mentioned Chanel Rion, and last week she sat down with President Trump uh, to talk about a full slate of things, some of his policies that have come out, predictions for what's going on with the 2024 campaign and, and how that's going to really get kicked off after the first of the year, and uh, the Twitter files. Now, Donald Trump has had like a, uh, well, when it's ever two huge personalities, the relationship is awkward. It just is. You know, there's no other way to explain it. I think Donald Trump likes Elon Musk as a person. I don't know if he agrees. Well, I'm pretty sure he doesn't agree with everything when it comes to like the Neuralink and stuff like that. You know, Donald Trump's a businessman, so I'm sure he could appreciate things like Tesla and Mm -hmm. Starlink and... SpaceX and all that stuff, because, you know, Donald Trump's a space appreciator. He started the sixth branch of the military there under the course of his administration. But just in regards to these Twitter files, I think if if anybody's been vindicated in all of this the most mm-hmm. and, and has lost the most, listen, going into lawfare, maybe being detained, losing a lot of money in court, and this, that, or the other things, Obviously, all those people like, you know, Big Head and Poso and those guys who complained that their Twitter accounts were shadow banned, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. That's one thing. You can make a pretty valid argument that what happened with Twitter and Google and Microsoft and Meta, TikTok, Snapchat, things like that, did directly contribute to Donald Trump not winning the presidency back in 2020. We're talking about 50,000-ish votes between three states. And all the stuff that's come out, the sabotaging with the COVID response all the way up to the repression through the presidential election and the amount of spying that went on. So these assholes could stay so far ahead of the narrative. It didn't matter which way Trump pivoted. They were always right in his face. Definitely contributed to that. Mm -hmm. But talking about these Twitter files here and his opinion on it, tying Elon Musk to the narrative, let's hear Chanel and uh, Donald Trump kind of talk about it a little bit. It's what amazing. would you what would you give Elon Musk uh, if you were to grade him and grade his takeover of Twitter? What grade would you give Elon Musk? Well, I don't know because I think the price was very high, you know. But I hope that Elon's going to be successful with Twitter. I think it's great that he's releasing this stuff because he's showing what a corrupt country we're yeah. living in. He Musk actually put out a poll, as you know, asking the public if he should step down, that he would abide by the poll results. And Mr. President, it looks like Elon is hunting for a new Twitter CEO. Any advice from well, Musk think, on this one? Yeah, I think he wanted to step down. I think that's yeah. a good way of stepping down, you know, just losing a poll and say, hey, right. I'm out of here. But what, what uh, advice would you give Mr. Musk here in looking for a new CEO? You need somebody that has a lot of different hats. That's not an easy thing to find in that world. You need technology, you need politics, you need sort of everything. And you have to have business sense, a good business sense. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see who that is. But I think he probably wanted to step down. It was it was great that he released. And from what I hear, the things that he's got 
are even more damning than what's already been seen in seven and five and six. It's, it's even more damning. It's supposed to be incredible. Well, I and know, it's a very important part of his legacy. I, I'll tell you that. It certainly is. Would you would you characterize him as a hero in this regard? Yeah, I say he's a hero. Uh, I think that it's a big it's a big part of his legacy. I think it's more important than other things he's done, uh, and it's very important. He's showing our country is was off the rails and still is. We'll see whether or not this helps fix it. But the Republicans have to get a lot tougher. Well. And then he would go into his usual rants about, you know, Republicans making concessions on everything Democrat or Joe Biden related since the start of his administration, which is true. Uh, but just in context here, what do you guys think? I mean, again, we don't agree with everything that Elon Musk necessarily works on or, or what his future for the United States, the world, maybe the galactic empire, uh, you know, in regards to that. But the fact of the matter is when it comes to this, you give up a lot. When you throw just about every agency, branch, everything, everything from the White House to the DNC and everything in between under the bus and just expose them with names and receipts. I'm I'm surprised he's still alive, to be honest. Like, if it wasn't just so brilliantly in front of everybody, I, I mean, like, if they would have been able to get ahead of this, like, did you see that uh, video of, I think it was in China or something like that, a, a Tesla, like... They tried to like auto park it. And it just fucking went off like a fucking rocket and yeah. drove through the town at like ninety plus miles an hour, and then killed a bunch of people. That that would have been Elon Musk. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely like in danger, in my opinion. But I I believe like what you said. If they knew what was coming and what he what he planned, they would have definitely tried to intercept or stop him somehow. Well, I mean, they had to know to to a certain extent that this stuff was yeah. was available. I just I just think. Well, I think that's maybe there was nothing they could do. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to say next. I don't think they they were just hoping and praying that none of it would come out. No, that's the truth. And uh, I I don't know where this goes from here. I know there's more. I, I don't know when he stops. And then they talked about, you know, him wanting to step down from CF CEO. I think that's a, a pretty good plan. Uh, everyone who's followed, you know, the career of Elon Musk, he, he keeps his teams at the top very small he's very hands-on and he's a notorious micromanager like he literally lives at his office when he's not with his kids and the fact of the matter is regardless of who the CF ceo is moving on from here i definitely think he's going to be extremely it's not like his twitter account's going anywhere and it's not like whatever what if he, what if he bans himself oh you know. man <laughs> that would be interesting but it's not like he would uh well, whatever that happened to him stepping down like is he is he still waiting for uh to find this a replacement? Yeah, yeah. So you know Jake Denton, who's a great friend of the show. Me and him were talking offline over the holiday break, and uh, in in our chat, a lot of people have have floated out the name Blake Masters. Oh yeah, I saw that uh, Blake was on somebody else's show, and they were talking about that. Was it Tim Cast? Maybe. Yeah, he he said it in a Twitter space recently as well. Blake Masters for what? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, he was a, a tech giant before he went into the field of politics as a student of Peter Thiel, who's also, uh, ah, I, I don't know what yeah. would be a tech god. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people said that he would be uh, a good fit. It just depends on how MAGA Elon Musk has made the shift. You know, he, he, he definitely has made inklings like he 
would like Ron DeSantis instead of Donald Trump in front of the 2024 presidential, you know, uh, cycle, but he hasn't like endorsed him. Uh, but he, he also has pointed out on several occasions that Donald Trump was right about a lot of the things that everybody crushed him for. Who is okay, real quick, because I saw him um, tweet about it, and I'm I don't know why I'm totally blanking his name. The guy that the MIT super smart guy that helped with the uh, Maricopa County audit. Yeah, was his Indian man. Yeah, I saw him, Doctor oh, Shiva. I yeah, Doctor Shiva. I heard. Uh, well, I saw him tweet, and I heard people talking about it too on uh, Twitter uh, about him, like telling elon hey i'm a really good candidate and then he signed it with uh dr shiva inventor of email <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i i mean i think we're pretty far off from from where uh you know so who's ever going to fill that spot's going to be but i don't think that uh it's going to be it's not, definitely not going to be some lefty no. um you know and, and, go ahead elon, Antoinette. elon definitely does still have some rats on the inside i think he's trying to smoke out because i'm seeing a lot of people getting banned or um suspended over some stupid bullshit last week our account got banned because the ukraine what? bots all hyped up yeah I, I served seven of 12 hours until elon musk lifted it but me the columbia bugle uh alex there, there was thousands of accounts that were banned for sharing the picture and shit posting about either the oh yes 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 okay yeah the, the post that, was- that the ukrainian ambassador to the un posted or the picture of uh the the flag getting draped over the podium at uh in, in the house of representatives and it was be- they used like some in that said like the people who were sharing this post didn't and- give permission to share it or something exactly bullshit and uh it just instantly locked thousands of accounts and by the time elon musk you know figured it out i mean i opened it up like i had like seven hours and 15 minutes left and it just went back to my twitter screen and it was lifted so. I think uh, I think I know who Elon Musk is going to put uh, in control of Twitter. Okay. It's going to be a monkey with a Neuralink. <laughs> I want snacks. And it's actually going to be Elon Musk. The one that says I want snacks? <laughs> Elon Musk is controlling the monkey he himself. Always, he always picks the grapes. He's going to be controlling stuff regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's also a lot of people in our neck of the woods who feel like Elon Musk hasn't done enough. Um, hasn't produced all the receipts. Maybe is being advised that if you get all the way to you know where this direction is coming from or how it even started it might take enough out of the pandora's box that you'll never be able to put it back in one of those i think we're there already i mean how do you how do you bounce back from this cataclysmic level of information that's been released on the fbi did i did i did i yeah i mean that's the first rule of status quo yeah cash patel was on with uh sebastian gorka the other day and they were talking about this in addition to some Trump 2024 related material. I thought it was a pretty good clip. Let's hear them. What kind of legal ramifications are there for the kinds of things we've already learned in terms of terms of service, contractual requirements, and end runs around the First Amendment by the the, the executive? Gorka would have made a great Star Wars bad guy. I know we want to see more, and we'll get to that in a second. (laughs) But are we starting to finally get a chink inside, a, a view inside Pandora's box legally? What are the ramifications for what we've already Already seen. Yeah, I think you're going to see uh, a ton of civil suits being brought by private citizens based on the violation of the contractual agreements that Twitter supposedly applied to its users, but like um, they broke their own agreements. 
as has been evidenced by the recent dump on the Twitter files, everything related to Trump and everything related to uh, the FBI and the censorship. That's from a civilian side. Now, from a government side, we don't have a DOJ said that's going to prosecute people based on just the facts and the law anymore. That system is totally gone. There's a two-tier system of justice. What I do hope to see, though, is Congress, and specifically the House with the Republican majority, act and issue subpoenas on a daily basis for documents and for sworn witness testimony from everyone at Twitter that was involved, Roth, VJ, Gad, Jack Dorsey, and all the rest, Facebook, Google, YouTube, whatever, and put them on blast before the American people without a time limit and do the same for their collaborators, their conspirators in uh, the FBI and whatnot. And, 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 what, you... and what is it, if it's a hearing, it's one thing on Capitol Hill, and that would require the GOP to grow spine. But when it comes to Good civil luck. or criminal suits, what is it these people could be charged with having done? So criminally, if if the if this DOJ wanted to, they could they could basically um, hit him up with a conspiracy uh, to commit fraud and or wire fraud and or bank fraud. Because while those terminologies don't necessarily have to do with actual banking, if you use the banking system or the postal system or the communication system of this country to conspire to commit an act that is illegal, which is lie to the American public and are in bed with the United States government, that's a crime of epic proportions, then you can be charged with that style of conspiracy, almost like a mob-style RICO case, right? Right. Um, if you do something illegal and it, it, it's inside the communication sphere of public America, then you've committed those crimes, or you can be charged with those crimes. Right, exactly. Okay. And, and they, should, they should be looking at that. But this DOJ, you know that, Seven. No, no, forget it. Yeah. Gorka's got some good sound quality. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't he be say. a good Star Wars villain? or Mar He could be Doctor Doom. I it's assure you the shield generators will be quite operational when your friends arrive. Mm. <laughs> mm. I mean, they haven't cast Doctor Doom yet for Marvel. He's going to be a big component oh. moving forward. He would be great. Just imagine him saying that through like a uh, simulated iron mask. Oof. But yeah, you know, th that's, that's the thing. How much of this collaboration was going on with other entities of big tech, we all know what happened. Is it as extensive as what was going on at Twitter? And were some of the key players, the, uh, you know, Vagina God and uh, all the other people at, at Twitter, were they? Vagina God? Yeah. Vagina God? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I believe I'm I, I'm reading it. That's that's what it looks like. Vagina God? Is that what we Yeah, Vagina God. Vagina God. Yeah. JJ God? Oh, my gosh, I love it. But were the highest levels of, of let's just say, the corporate execs, the gatekeepers, the Yoel Roth, et cetera, were, were they in direct communication with some of the top execs from these other companies as well? As well? You know, that, that that's a huge factor there, and I think that's part of the thing that maybe Elon Musk, he was showing a lot of the bad stuff they've done, but how deep does it go and how wide is the net? And and maybe it just wasn't our intelligence agencies. Maybe it was, these people really do meet like a like a legion of doom and talk about how they're just gonna shadow ban and nuke everybody and and create a, an alternate reality. Because listen, when you talk about like just the pandemic, our government and big tech and the mainstream media created an alternate reality of what really happened during the pandemic. It's like you still have people that can't leave their fucking house without masks and shield on and gloves 
and sit in their car and go to work. The shit's dirty. They look awful. And they're probably sick all the time and they just blame it on other people. Can't wait to get a booster fast enough. But the fact of the matter, that's not the reality of what COVID was or what the vaccines were needed for or, or what any kind of the things like shutting down the whole planet for like a year. All that stuff was fake and, and, and it was created at the behest of the COVID response team led by Mike Pence and, and you know, Dr. Fauci and all of his jerk offs, big tech and the mainstream media. They literally told you. Joe Biden's Christmas message was a lot different than last year when he said, hey, I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas unless you've not been vaccinated, at which point you probably won't make it to see New Year's. That was literally his fucking message last year. Nice. And everybody just ate it up like it was normal. And then when the world opened back up, everybody just said, like, pretends it didn't happen. All those videos you've seen across social media of, like, people getting restrained and removed from hospitals – on the other side of a glass wall, you have, like, their sick family member who dies and you weren't by their side and then you couldn't go to their funeral. Mm. Yep. People that couldn't have weddings. Fathers who missed the births of their first child. Or had to hug them through a fucking shower curtain or some bullshit. Kids that never experienced proms, graduations, sports. And missed out on everything. Kids that are still wearing masks now because they've become so accustomed to hiding their face. And and how fast we've reverted back to, let's just blame the Republicans because they have no plans. Mm-hmm. Wrapping up here, we've talked about him enough. Elon Musk was on a podcast over the weekend, and he was talking about the gift that gi- keeps on giving. Clark, it's not the Jelly of the Month Club. Oh. It's everything that he's given us from the Twitter reveal so far. We hope that there's a lot more coming down the pike, but it's an ode to conspiracy theorists. Let's hear him. I mean, to be totally frank, um, almost every conspiracy theory that people had about Twitter turned out to be true. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, if, is there a conspiracy theory about Twitter that didn't turn out to be true? Uh, so far, they've all turned out to be true. And if not, uh, more true than people thought. And he's, mm, he's not wrong. No. I think he had no idea what he was getting into. And now that he's there, he's like, just living life. And he's like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. He definitely needs a fortress at some point in the future, though. A lair of something. He needs to buy, like, an you think he doesn't have one? With a volcano. No, I feel he, like he owns a missile silo somewhere. He owns a relocatable that's like... What's a relocatable? Like those houses that you can move, not a trailer, like the ones that you can... Like a act- tiny house? Like not a tiny house, like a step above a tiny house. It's like 800 square feet, and it's by the Tesla plant, and that's what he lives in, like... It's like one of those model homes where, like, when you go to the showroom. Is it in, like, a tractor trailer at least? Like a fucking, like a, like the enemy bosses in, what movie was that? Fuck. Double Dragon? No. It's a good game. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, he is right. There's nothing that we, like. I I mean, what conspiracy theories haven't come true lately. I mean, there's a very, very small percentage of the shit that people have been saying that hasn't come true. We've said it here several times. Devin Nunes agreed with it last time. I could literally make up a lie two years ago about anything to do with big tech, like a a ridiculous lie. And then it's true now. And now it's true. (laughs) Cause it's almost like they, they hear, they hear what people are saying and they're like, you know, actually that's a really good idea. We should do that. Yeah. They're, they're taking, Like, oh, shit, that is a good idea. No, and, and, you know, a lot of this has to do with leadership, both inside and outside of the Beltway. The fact that a lot of our leaders up on Capitol Hill 
don't like to act like Donald Trump did and instead just like to virtue single and then just forget about it and not act on it or not follow through. If there's anybody who doesn't think that this omnibus bill couldn't have got stopped by, you know, our, our men and women who represent the Republican Party in Congress, you're, you're crazy. If enough people put their foot down, it would have been stopped. There's no reason that 18 Republicans, including people like Tom Cotton, who's now completely on the outs, could have just not been a part of it. And here we are. And I think <laughs> leadership me for a bit now and now it's just like okay yeah we've been making fun of him for about a good year and a half on the show i mean those january 6 videos came out with him running around the halls of congress crying and that was kind of it for me he goes on tv and like says the right things he's like a a senatorial greg abbott very reactionary uh he knows what to say because he's smart he'll hit a couple you know home runs in in congressional committee when he's got the big guns up there but he's, he's not of the caliber like Rand paul sometimes ted cruz usually uh, Senator Hawley, um, et cetera. But the fact of the matter is, is that we just don't have enough of them. And the ones who are the ones aforementioned right there, they don't want to lead. You know, know. when your alternative to Mitch McConnell and John Thune and John Cornyn is Rick Scott. Uh, I know. How do you want me to feel about that? Great. When your alternative to Ronda McDaniel is someone who's also a longstanding member of the RNC, regardless of whether or not they say the right things, how am I supposed to feel about that? Mm. When your alternative to Boehner and Ryan is McCarthy, how do you want me to feel about that? You know, not breaking it today because I said I wouldn't do it. I think I threw up in my mouth a little bit. I've talked to a couple people, and Mm -hmm. I've done some, put some feelers out. Mm. Great friend of the show. He'll be with us on Friday. I'm not going to say what it, who it is because if I say it, like Steve Bannon already knows that Cash Patel is going to be on the show, so you can almost guarantee that Cash Patel will be on War Room Friday morning. 100% guarantee. Mark it now. Yeah. But I don't want to say who's been talking to me about possible Speaker of the mm-hmm. House replacements from the outside in. Okay. Someone who's not an elected official currently but ran a pretty good race in the midterms, came up a little bit short, but really helped out the House of Representatives. Hmm. So I put out some feelers, and they're not as as optimistic as our good friend is, but they have heard this name being floated around. And we'll talk about it with him on Friday when he's on our show as well. But the fact of the matter is leadership within the Republican Party right now is in disarray. We've been presented with alternative options, a new Speaker of the House. We've been presented with a change of the guard at the RNC, but there's no promises of anything. I've heard all of them talk about, well, you know, a lot of people have concerns, and the country is definitely not going in the right direction. But we also have a long-standing uh, blueprint of success that has worked great for the American people. I'm trying to figure out where. Wait, what? Somebody said that? They've all said it. Jeez. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit because I think right now one of the biggest things we do need to focus on is where Republican leadership is going over the next couple of weeks. Merry Christmas. I hope this holiday season brings everyone a chance for prayer, family time, and gift-giving. In the coldest, darkest part of the year, the beauty of Christmas brings light and warmth to us all. Today, I'm thinking especially of the brave service members and Kentuckians in uniform who are spending the holiday away from home. And I'm praying for all Kentuckians, like our first responders, healthcare workers, brave police who are giving up time with their families to keep the rest of us safe. Cherished family traditions and presents are, of course, part of the joy we feel this holiday season. 
But the true promise of Christmas, the birth of our Savior, brings comfort to us all whenever we might find ourselves today. That promise is as welcome this year as ever. I wish you all a happy and restful holiday. You know, I can still remember the very first sweets given to me by my grandfather. They were Werther's original, and I was poor. I had a bit of trouble opening that shiny golden wrapper, but then well, <laughs> I can't. I'll never forget that uh, first cake. It's ridiculous. That was uh, Senate Minority <laughs> Leader Mitch McConnell, uh, both currently and in the Wayback Machine there. What did I miss? Oh, nothing. Mitch McConnell wished everybody a Merry Christmas, even though he doesn't give a shit about any of us. And I'm going to use a Trump word here. Kentucky is ranked in the lowest quadrant of just about everything from education to crime, state economy, healthcare, you name it. They're they're like 30 and below uh, ranked nationally. And yeah, he just doesn't, uh, he puts out that bullshit message. And then, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that his 80 year old ass with intentions that are more linked to the Democrat Party and the CCP than they are to the Republican Party and the American people are allowed to freely navigate through the halls of Congress and 86 this country on, you know, almost a daily basis. And the, and the fact of the matter is, and I keep saying it on the show, a lot of people don't like to hear it, regardless of what, you know, the annals of history will tell us about the Biden regime. Asshole. Joe Biden will be known in history books, as a legislative juggernaut, thanks to Mitch McConnell. Mm. Every single thing that he's proposed, for the most part, has passed with very little resistance, and it is because Mitch McConnell has gone along with everything, from COVID relief to chips, everything that's going on to the border, and the omnibus bill. This is all Mitch McConnell's fault. Could have been taken care of if he just gave a little bit of a shit during the midterm elections and got two more senators elected, which are well within his capabilities based off the fact that what Joe Biden has been allowed to pass throughout the course of the first two years of his presidency. And now he's allowed Joe Biden to just sit in cruise control and head into another primary presidential election campaign season based off the fact that he has all of these achievements, which whether or not you want to agree, they've passed. They're there forever. And, and we're going to be trillions of dollars in debt more because of what Mitch McConnell has allowed Joe Biden and his administration to do over the course of his first two years. Speaking of elections. Okay. Do you think they're going to let him debate again if he runs? Has to. How amazing would that be? Have to bring out, like, two clones and cycle them in and out. It's a good point. But, yeah, it's gonna, it's just imagine the amount of drugs he's going to be on at that time. It's got to be it's gotta be so hard on his, on his nervous system to just get juiced up like that all the time. He uses body doubles when he goes out in public now uh, for non-speaking events, too. Is that confirmed? I mean, you saw him walking into the restaurant the other day. 100% was not him. Oh, yeah. With he his, he with was actually walking. Grandkid. Yeah. So, you know, and. Walking that long, I don't, I don't know. I mean, anything can happen, but I don't. Yeah, I mean, we can only hope. Uh, listen, after the omnibus was allowed to pass, I feel very reluctant or optimistic about anything happening in the House besides them being able to put a more comprehensive budget to get together for the 2024 year. And that's it. Like, I know they want to get into investigations and this, that, and the other thing, but they can't even agree on who's going to be speaker. I, I keep hearing numbers in the, you know, Republican caucuses that the delegation that's formed against McCarthy is anywhere between four and now in the twenties. 
Uh, the 20s makes it a little bit more problematic for him to find a viable path towards speakership, but what's the alternative right now? No one stepped up. Uh, we did tease, and, and we'll talk about it on our Friday edition of the show, who a possible outside candidate is. It's not Donald Trump. Um, but the fact of the matter is is that, you know, if, if they don't have their shit together going in and everybody's waiting to just get on their committees and go to work, it's not going to happen if we don't have a Speaker of the House that the, the America First Movement, the House Freedom Caucus, and the Patriots in Congress want to get behind. And it's just the fact of the matter. And, you know, I, I don't know if McCarthy's got an 11th-hour plan up his sleeve to just make a bunch of concessions and say, I'm going to even put in that clause that say if you're not happy with the Speaker, you could put up a vote on the House floor to remove him and replace him. Whether that's a viable pathway to him becoming speaker, it's it's yet to be told. But you know he's garbage, and 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 you know everybody else who's they floated out there is too directly aligned to Donald Trump, and with the temperature of the nation right now, is not going to get 218 votes. It's just the fact of the matter. For as much as we'd like to see some of those people, I don't even think Jim Jordan gets 218 votes. They keep throwing his name out there, and listen, we've told you guys in extent he wants nothing to do with Speaker of the House. Zero percent interests him. He wants to lead the judiciary, and he wants to be part of something that, you know, is going to hold people accountable for how bad this country's gone down the tubes in the last two years. But I don't even know if there's a – he's so closely aligned to President Trump, I don't know if he gets to 218. Does he cater to the moderates and to the rhinos? I don't think so. Do you guys? I don't know. It's hard to say, but I'm leaning more towards no. Yeah, Andy Biggs doesn't, 100%. Even Matt Gates, who I love. I mean, he, he's caused a lot of these issues. I don't think he, he has – he would – get nowhere near 218 no so i mean it's like you know we're almost to you get what you fucking deserve joker meme with the speaker of the house just like we're probably going to get with the rnc and we'll get into that a little bit more now but in addition to all the legislation that's passed it's 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 what's been allowed to happen without any recourse throughout the course of the first two years of the biden regime mar-a-lago was raided 90 days before you know the uh midterm elections you had uh leticia james up in new york not paying attention to any of the own awful scandals that they've had in her office up there in, in, in New York and, and, and allowing, uh, you know, without anybody putting any pressure on her to just sue Donald Trump for no reason. You've got a special counsel installed. Everybody forgets that there's a special counsel now working to find anything regarding, and I'm quoting now, probings into the former president. Like, mm, what probings. does that mean? Yeah, probings. And part of that goes to with his tax returns which kind of went under the radar with the border and the omnibus and the Zelensky visit last week, they were finally released by Democrat leadership in Congress. For all the world to see, Donald Trump's tax returns, like six years of them. Tucker Carlson weighed in on his Friday edition of his show. Uh, let's hear about another big nothing burger, but don't worry, Trump was finished and the walls are definitely closing in. So Democrats have been huffing about Donald Trump's tax returns for years now, like six years now. When you see what's in his tax returns personal checks from Vladimir Putin, but you couldn't see him because people's tax returns are private. That's sacrosanct. But not with Donald Trump, because he's a bad man. So the normal laws <laughs> don't apply, and Congress just grabbed his tax returns and then released them to the public. And you know what they show? They show that he got poorer <laughs> in public service. Probably the only president in modern history who got poorer while serving as president. Compare that to Nancy Pelosi or Mitch McConnell, both of whom have gotten very rich in, quote, air quotes now, public service. Trump lost tens of millions of dollars. So it's not really a bombshell. It's actually kind of a case for Trump, isn't it? How is it not? How did Mitch McConnell get so rich? Does anyone ask that? No. Nope. Good question, though. Certainly is. But don't worry, Trump is finished. 
course. The walls are closing in. <laughs> it's just embarrassing. Like, this is what our country's at right now. They, they they put it out. Once they knew that there was literally nothing there, they just threw it into the news cycle and, and all took off for their Christmas vacations. Yeah. Because they, they this wasn't going to get any traction. Oh, yeah, Tucker Carlson's going to going to talk about it well he's he's a racist replacement theory propagandist so no one's going to listen to him on mm. msdnc <laughs> or from the what did he call him the dni <laughs> or the, the dbi oh yeah, yeah the democrat bureau of investigation Jeez. as they should be called um but you know we, we mentioned everybody wanting to get to work on their committees but but it's also who's not going to be on committees moving forward is, is somebody whether it be Kevin McCarthy or whoever becomes the eventual Speaker of the House, going to have the balls to remove people like Eric Swalwell, um, who slept with a Chinese spy and farted on TV. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> his big, his big, you know, national security compromise. Should he remain on intelligence? Should Elon Omar? No, get rid of that one. Yeah, one hundred percent. And scumbag. Don't forget the crown jewel of them all: watermelon head, pencil neck. The biggest liar in our government. Mm-hmm. The, the the man who invented Orange Man Bad and Trump is finished. Yep. And and has never, ever been able to follow through on anything that he's said repeatedly on TV. He's in the crosshairs to get removed from his committees. And uh, I don't think he should be serving on committees at all. He shouldn't even be allowed to be a congressman for as much as he's lied. A lot of it coming under oath. Mm-hmm. Well, he was crying about it over the weekend on uh, CBS's weekend morning show. Let's hear him make a case for himself for staying on committees because uh, he is the truth. Marjorie Taylor Greene off of her committees. So why shouldn't they be able to kick you off of your committees? Oof. Well, this is the, the same false equivalence they often use, which is Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar were removed from their committees because they were inciting violence against fellow members of Congress. Oh my God. The day I start to incite violence against people uh, that I serve with or elsewhere, then fine, take me off my committee. Uh, you know, the moment I start engaging in insurrection, then fine, uh, sanction me. Yeah, but but don't give me this false equivalence, uh, Mr. McCarthy, and suggest that somehow uh, leading legitimate investigations of Donald Trump's corruption with Russia, Ukraine, uh, and January 6th is somehow He's sticking to his guns. Yeah. Sticking to his guns. Mm. Sticking to being lie, dumb. Lie, deny, deny till you die. It's, it's ridiculous. Admit oh. nothing. And never be held accountable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so, so fucking dumb. Well, he is a pretty big asshole. He's definitely a big <laughs> asshole. And asshole? <laughs> <laughs> warm it up because I don't know if you guys missed it on Friday hmm. staple of the Beltway community two time defending speaker of the house closet alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> bloody Mary appreciator Nancy Pelosi gave her last congressional press conference as speaker of the house now I think we're we're pretty much all in agreement here she probably won't see the end of her two-year term coming up here starting after January 3rd because when somebody asked her about it, she snapped at them. Oh. <laughs> pretty viciously. That's not like her at all. No. But uh, here's her in, in, in a portion of her final press conference reminiscent about the good old times, the one she could remember between rounds. Best advice I ever had that I extend to you is be yourself. You're the only person in the history of the world who is you. What you have is authentic 
is, is uh, special, is unique, and that diversity is necessary at the table. Also, I want women to have confidence, so sometimes when I act a little more, shall we say, like myself, oh, <laughs> it's because I want them to know it's okay to assert yourself, to have confidence in what you bring to the table, and also to understand your uniqueness. So uh, I get, res I mean, I have overwhelmed by- She's talking about her boobs on the table? Women telling me how I've given them confidence or their role model and this, and I said, don't worry about any role model, be yourself. I mean, I guess there's one thing we can all agree on here, regardless of who the Speaker of the House is in the next session of Congress, it won't be as bad as her. Mm. She's she's out there talking about being herself. This is the person who pushed for the removal of the Christopher Columbus statue that her father, as a mayor, <laughs> like 50 years ago, erected in the city of Baltimore. In addition to that, her and all her congressional retarded counterparts dressed up like extras in Black Panther after the George Floyd thing to pander to the oh, African-American community. Ridiculous. I mean, these people, like I said, they almost have mirrorless houses. First of all, they'd probably turn to stone if they saw one. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it's like, how can you go out and, like, they must never watch TV or anything. Like, how can you say some of the things that these morons say on a daily basis and, like, be able to live with yourself? I, I guess well, money I mean, must really make up for everything. What do you think, Antoinette? They're soulless. Yeah. They don't get at all. They don't, they're so out of touch. They're so evil. They could care less about, the, you know, the regular everyday person and what they think. I mean, really, they, all they care about is retaining power and massaging their own egos. And they are big egos to massage. That's, I think, one thing we can all agree on, you know, here on the show, because these people, they're just so out of control. And, and you know, if we don't get a strong leader in there, we're going to see a lot more of the same. I mean, I could see a Democrat minority definitely uh, bullying the Republican majority, and that's because of of leadership capabilities like you know kevin mccarthy says the right thing but i just don't know if he's got the spine for it uh matt gates was saying much of the same on on steve bannon's show the other day he's the one that's leading this charge for mccarthy to not be speaker of the house so let's hear him make a case for it you running out of time the 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 vote is on the at what noon on the third of january it correct me if wrong is that 10 days away 11 days away something right we're, we're close how do I'm you because i'm uh, not I'm not in that much of a hurry. Is, 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 is time on your side or is time on McCarthy's side? Well, I've shared with the country that it is more preferable to get the right leader of the institution than to have a swift process occur on January 3rd. I mean, Paul Ryan had a very smooth and swift process and then a very bumpy speakership. I would like to invert that. I would rather have a true leader with vision and tactical capability, uh, and that's more important to me than whether or not precisely on the 3rd or within a few days or a few weeks that this will be resolved. We have to get it right, and the pain our people are going to feel from the consequences of today even increase the importance of having somebody with a fighting spirit and vision as our leader. You know, he's making commentary right there on the passing of the omnibus bill and the fact that Kevin McCarthy had no chips to play in regards to Mitch McConnell to get him to stop it in the Senate. And uh, listen, I don't agree, or I'm sorry, I don't disagree with Matt Gates. He's saying all the right things. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't know where viably this goes 
Um, you know, other than eventually Kevin McCarthy becoming the Speaker of the House just because the process of elimination there. Does someone come out of right field that's so impressive that they can get to 218? I hope so. We all hope so. I, I think everyone that's in conservative politics, not, even if you're not full-on MAGA, you just don't want to... He's making the case for not wanting to waste an opportunity. He's seeing what's going on at the RNC. He knows that there's no alternative in the Senate. We've already lived under two years of this regime. You have one little chance in, in this moment to make a difference or just be status quo until 2024. Like, that's that's the choices. And... He's staked a lot into, I don't see Matt Gates sitting on any, you know, big time committees next year. If, if McCarthy's the speaker, uh, unless he could really justify, you know, I needed you to be here. You weren't, you proved to me you were now I'm 100% going to back you. If that's an eventual case, maybe he survives on some, but y'all know how that goes. Mm-hmm. It, it usually goes to your friends first. Yep. So, and I, and I mean, this leads to like, you know, the biggest question, uh, what what's going on with this leadership and, and what are the solutions that we're going to have for just something better than what we've been served, which is just constant losing, no adaptation, uh, almost a deaf ear to the American public and, and, you know, no viable solutions moving forward, which is part of the problem here. Plus none of them are on the same page. McCarthy and McConnell obviously weren't. And the RNC just seems to be disconnected. Mark Rudolph was on Newsmax yesterday, and he was talking about who will lead the RNC moving forward, trying to make a case for, you know, what's going on with Rana and what the perspective of Harmeet could be. Let's hear him. If you look at what's happening here, you you just covered the $1.7 trillion middle finger to America. Mm. (laughs) 18 Republicans voted for that. Now, you might remember that last year I created this fake book, the art of the kneel, how Republicans are letting Democrats rule America by Ronna McDaniel. If you go back to when we controlled the White House, the Senate, and the Congress in 2017, couldn't get rid of Obamacare. Uh, we lost a lot of seats in, this, in the uh, midterm elections. I mean, I come from a state where this state voted for a brain-dead, oversized teenager. In Georgia, they re- re-elected a communist. What's happening? Why are the Republicans not winning? And it's because they don't have good messaging, they don't have good leadership, and I was very surprised and disappointed that Donald Trump punted and said, I like both of these women, I'm not gonna get involved in this. That's a good point. This is exactly the wrong decision to make, Donald Trump. We need leadership, and leadership makes a choice. Leadership doesn't punt. And if you expect to win in 24, Donald Trump, you need a well-oiled machine in this Republican Party. And if Ronna McDaniel keeps this job, you're not going to have that, and you're not going to win. I mean, she raises a lot of money, and that's why Trump likes her. He also has a weak spot for strong women, and Ronna McDaniel is that. But she spent very lavishly, $3.1 million on private jets, $1.3 million on limousines, Broadway tickets, alcohol, flowers. But we're not telling it out there. The red wave was more like a red trickle. We have to ask Nancy Pelosi about those. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) he, he makes a point and then he automatically, like negates it by, by talking about like the money and where it's appropriated. 
I, I know there's a lot of money that was spent on this, that, and the other thing in the last cycle by Ronna McDaniel. But the fact of the matter is, is that since she's been the RNC chair, she's brought in like $6 billion. Mm-hmm. So a couple million here and there for like jet fuel and booze and like flowers for people in their hotel rooms really doesn't bother me because you want to know what everybody else does it. You could say they don't or they do it less. I honestly don't care. No. That's a false opinion. Yeah, they all do it. And even less strong narrative. So it's bullshit. Everybody does it. It has nothing to do with anything. Talk about leadership. You know, another thing that he uh, contrasts himself on right there and is a little hypocritical in saying it, he wants to call out Donald Trump, but here's the fact of the matter. We just spent a whole bunch of time, not us here on the show, pundits in general, especially a lot of the larger ones, saying Donald Trump shouldn't be involved in the midterms. Donald Trump shouldn't have done the Save America rally circuit tour. Shouldn't have endorsed all of these candidates, even though an overwhelming majority of them win. Maybe not some of the high-profile ones, but that's neither here nor there. Like, an overwhelming majority of them win. He has the best presidential endorsement record in the history of politics, period, by a lot. And then we blamed him for the midterms. So what do you want him to do? You want him to jump right back in this race and endorse somebody for speaker and endorse somebody for RNC chair and then blame it on him again when whoever he picks doesn't win it? Oh, Trump is finished. He's so disconnected. And then they'll start making up like these false things. Oh, this goes back to money. This goes back to this person didn't hit him hard enough on the Russiagate thing and the Mueller investigation and Spygate and the impeachment trials. And it's like there's no fucking winning when Donald Trump goes and does stuff. I understand that he has to do some of the big boy stuff, but the big boy stuff is his own presidential campaign. If the delegates and the voters of this country don't put the right pieces in place, it's going to make everybody's life more difficult. But at the end of the day, Donald Trump needs to worry about number one. He's going to go out and endorse people that are going to be on the tour with him over the course of the next uh, general election cycle in 2024. But he's not going out in a way campaigning for them that he would have done in this midterm elections, which was a lot. 35 rallies is a lot. Spending tens of millions of dollars on campaigns is a lot for citizen Trump. Not elected official anything, Donald Trump. Citizen Trump. Private citizen Trump. You know, he spent more in, in in targeted races than Mitch McConnell did, than the RNC did, and he definitely didn't go around in the primary season bashing all of these candidates to make them seem almost unvotable when he got to the general election campaign, like the Republican establishment did. It's one of these things, like, these people want it both ways and all the time, and, and you really can't have that. Harmeet was on with uh, Dave Rubin over the weekend and and was talking about her current job and what she wants to do moving forward. Let's hear her, you know, make another pitch for herself as she did on Steak for Breakfast last Friday. Yeah, and I want to give you a little credit publicly that I've given you privately, which is that over the years when I've had a lot of crazy hit pieces written about me, I've called you a couple times, particularly the one with the New York Times when they basically on the cover said, I'm the head of the alt-right. And I was like, you know, can I sue them and whatever? And, and you calmly explained to me that, unfortunately, in the world we live in, even with our libel and slander laws, like, it's tough, it's tough, and it'll probably cost you way more than it'll cost this giant corporation. So you've, you've talked me off the ledge once or twice. So I owe you for that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and look, to Now I don't away, care, for the record. They keep doing it, and it's like, now it's kind of yeah, funny you know to me. What? But years ago, yeah. You're bigger than them, and so what? You know, so that, that you know, like, believe me, in fact, the RNC has been peddling hit pieces about me, and it's very upsetting. But luckily, I'm surrounded by calm people who are like, the truth is there, you'll prevail. And so so it's all it's all good. But, um, you know, to leave a job that I'm very passionate about, two jobs, I also started a nonprofit, yeah. people who can't afford or, you know, for other reasons, they need pro bono legal help for 
for free. And that is a very you know, active nonprofit center for American liberty. We represent children who are targeted by transgender groomers. We represent uh, people in free speech issues. We represent a host of other uh, civil rights issues. And to leave that in my law firm, which does the favorite part of law that most lawyers would kill to be able to do all day and get paid for it, that's how passionate I feel about this RNC thing. I mean, I love my job right now. I love my jobs, but I love America more than that. And I think that we're just driving this thing off a cliff here and we can't afford it. So nobody else stepped up. So I stepped up. I mean, Lee Zeldin talked about it, but ultimately didn't want to take on the challenge because it is a challenge. And I stepped mm-hmm. up. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see it through. You, you don't get an award for stepping up. You don't get an award for throwing your name in the ring. Like, ask Donald Trump. Ask Donald Trump what it's like to get the most votes in, in Republican presidential history and, you know, 11 plus million more votes the second time you ran just for throwing his name in the hat. Does, doesn't necessarily work out all the time for you. No, it actually probably ruins your life. It certainly does. And look, in the case of him, I, I don't know if uh, he'll be able to financially recover ever. But the, but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, she she's in, she's in a lot different spot. Um I don't not like her. I definitely think she's a better alternative. She seems extremely genuine. Uh, I have heard her make some commentary by saying that, that there's like, you know, a lot more of the established stuff that's maybe not used the right way that she's like to use as would be part of her chairmanship when I think it needs to be completely torn down, gutted. Mm-hmm. I, everybody needs to be replaced and they need to put people in there who actually know how to work, who, who have already had jobs probably in their life and, and who don't, most likely enjoy money as much as everybody else that works for the RNC right now. Because, listen, it's like we've, we've tried to rationalize on the show for months, if not years now. Words like consultants and vendors, we, we never heard these words until people started bitching about them and how they've 86 campaigns or you won't get funding from the Beltway or good luck trying to win an election without bending the knee and catering to these people. Can't be like that. Mm-mm. Can't be like that. Maybe like that in the Democrat Party, but they've already got so many different veins that they could tap. Oh yeah, Dobbs is overturned. Let's go. Let's go hit up all the single women and all the the, the retard kids who aren't going to go vote. Let's go harvest all their ballots and just say like, listen, if you don't vote in this election, Donald Trump's coming back. Oh, terrified, straight Democrat. You know, we we don't necessarily have that because in in, in Republican circles, it's like. Okay, Joe Biden's completely ruined this country. Can you please vote for a Republican alternative? Sure, and then they go and they leave names blank on the ballot, like. Can't have ticket splitters anymore. Well, yeah, and, and when you make that reference to leaving names blank on the ballot, yeah. I mean, we looked at video of people filling in the empty blanks on ballots. So it's like, yeah, if you, you try to be a responsible voter. It's like, you know what? This particular race, I don't really know much about it. I'm just going to leave it blank. And then some fucking pollster is like, oh, this one's blank. I'm just going to put the person I want. Yep. Like we saw videos of like, what are these people doing? He's just going through the pile and he's filling in all the blank votes. It's yeah. like, it's insanity. He's curing the ballots though. C- curing? Curing. 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 Curing democracy? I mean, in Antoinette's case, I'm, I'm pretty sure she would have loved Senator Laxalt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So amazing um, how all those mail-in ballots just showed up over the weekend once all the polls closed, huh? Oh, yeah. And it, it was unbelievable because literally <clears throat> my entire subdivision, I can't even count, like, over 40 houses had black salt sign that I could just count on my main street. And I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's not cookie cutter people, pretty diverse group of people. I mean, Vegas is kind of a melting pot, right? Yep. But no, everybody that I talked to was all for, for black salt. 
Why wouldn't they be? I mean, he was definitely the the better alternative. Thanks, Mitch McConnell. Same thing with Herschel Walker. Yes, it got to a runoff, but there's no reason why he gets outpaced by, you know, the current governor there by 11 points. It's ridiculous and embarrassing for the entire entirety of the RNC, the GOP, all of them, senators, everyone. People that didn't go down and work to lose another runoff election by half a point. It's disgusting. Those two seats right there. I mean, I know everybody, like, we like Dr. Oz, and, and John Fetterman's a complete shell of a human being, absolute retard. Like, there's no way. <laughs> to say that this guy is a state senator yeah. in Congress is probably one of the most embarrassing things since Joe Biden. Yeah. I still can't believe that any single person, I don't even care, like, how much you don't like, you know, the other side, but how can you not see well, straight Democrat, no matter what. Remember, the numbers came out. Over oh, blue, no matter who. 60% of the entire Democrat electorate of that election voted by mail before their debate. You can't take your votes back. So no. it, they just voted straight D down down, down the ticket. And, and and a lot of people like Blake Masters, too. I like Blake Masters. I thought he would have been a fantastic senator. Yeah. But, but, so but you know, he, he lost by a little bit more than, than, than some of these other guys like Laxalt and Walker. Those two should have been absolute guaranteed wins right there, mm -hmm. especially where those states are. You know, Nevada has never been counted, like, in the top five of, like, inflation, gas prices, unemployment, crime, drug addiction, low school test scores. And over the course of the last two years, they are that now. Yeah. How do you say that someone doesn't come in that's going to bring it back to normal? Yeah. You know, they've never experienced things like $5 gasoline, and that's what they're getting right now. It was such a shock for everybody. I've talked to people that live here, gosh, 40, 50 years, and they've never seen anything like it. We've always, like, the time that I've lived here, I've never seen anything like it, so I can't even imagine, like, oof. Yeah, there's just, there's just no two ways about it. It's, it, yeah. the, the system is broken. The system is rigged against Republicans, who have, in turn, in, in an attempt to combat nothing, have not changed or adjusted since a lot of these rules have come in over the last 10 years and three, four election cycles. And it, unless we get someone who's, who's going to get in, unless Ronna McDaniel is really w willing to change early voting, ballot harvesting where it's legal, tapping into the young kids and single women, or Harmeet Dillon does the same, tears it down, brings in people like Scott Pressler, uh, you know, brings in people like Boyer from Arizona, and really gets like a comprehensive new kind of look at, at how we run and win elections, finished early mm -hmm. on. So it's going to be well, big uphill climb. We, we talk about, you know, these things a lot on the show. Donald Trump Jr. talked about it over the weekend. In our last clip of the day, let's hear Jr. kind of weighing in on, on pretty much all things that we've summed up for you in our last news segment. What does the conservative movement do to fight back and win? Right now, it's about elections. If we're not ballot harvesting legally, whatever we can do, if we're not playing the game that they're playing, you could run... You know, someone just shy of Jesus Christ himself right now <laughs> against the dumbest and most radical liberal and not win. Right. That's the game right now. I, you know, people are going to argue about who's the better candidate. As far as I'm concerned, at this point, if we're not addressing those issues, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, that's going to be a harsh thing for people to hear or believe. That's the reality. We have to be playing the game the way the Democrats do. Maybe once we regain power, 
we can change the system, we can make it fair, yes. we can make it that magically, you know, power. the ballot harvest, mm -hmm. the ballot machines uh, in the conservative counties are the only ones that never seem to work, that once you go past midnight, it always seems to go one way. We can change it and do something like every other country in the world does where they have fair elections, they can figure out these things on the same day. Until we're actually in control to make those changes, we have to be playing the game on the battlefield set by the other side. That's not an easy task, but that's frankly the only thing that we need to address right now. We're not losing on issues. I can promise you that. There's not even left-leaning parents that want their three-year-old to be having conversations with their radical leftist purple-haired teacher about changing their gender. Fact. That ain't happening, mm -hmm. okay? The average leftist, and I know this even before Twitter sort of became more neutral, uh, I could post about men in women's sports, biological men in women's sports, and people who hate my guts would say, I hate Don's guts, but he's right about this one. We're not losing on those issues, and those are the issues that are the hills to die on of today's Democrat Party. We're not losing on the fact that people are spending twice at the pump what they used to pay. We're not losing on the fact that uh, we don't want to be in a nuclear war with Russia. Uh, we're not losing on inflation and what's going on in the economy. We're winning all of those issues, but none of that matters if we're not playing the game at the ballot box. Yep. If we're not playing the games uh, the way we need to be playing them on election day, we have to adapt those techniques. We can't be adapting what the radical left does. They weaponized COVID. They changed systems, whether legally or illegally, it didn't matter, and they're probably never going back because they control enough of the systems, especially in the swing states, where it doesn't matter. It has to be our number one focus, and there's nothing even close as far as I'm concerned. Oh, and he's absolutely, I mean, it sounds like he'd be a perfect fill-in for any of us on the show. Yeah. And, and, yeah. You, and you want to know what, just my take, I know a lot of people don't like him as much as his dad. I think he'll make a hell of a politician someday. The fact that I, I hope he doesn't wait as long as his dad to get in the game. I, I know. Same. I think he he's right now he's on fire and now would be the time for him to get involved or in the near future. Yeah, he definitely uh, is is a big contributor. I, I I think he's got a great opinion, and it's like you know I I, I, I was looking today before the show started. Raheem put out a uh, a Substack this morning, and it's like, so what's the deal with the RNC chairship and, and leadership in general, and does it really matter? The fact of the matter is, it doesn't, because yeah. there, there there's so much of deep rooted, long standing corruption and and, and one way thinking throughout everything that's involved up on Capitol Hill on both sides of the party, but we're just talking about the Republican side here. Does, does changing the leader really mean anything? For all of Donald Trump's accomplishments, does it look like anything's changed within our federal government since he's been the president and is gone? Well, I think things changed, and then they went directly back and instantaneously and got right. worse. Yeah, it got worse. Like, things changed for the positive, but there's certain things that he was not able to route out and and destroy just because everything was against him. Everything he tried to do was like, no matter what, even if it was a good thing, just because he did it, they wanted it gone, or they wanted it just to be thwarted. And they just reversed everything as soon as they got it, and yeah. everything, even the good stuff that you wouldn't think. Seventy executive orders on day one, mm. and it's been a it's been a downhill turn since. And I just think that you know, maybe leadership doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter if Kevin McCarthy's the speaker. Maybe it doesn't matter if Ronald McDaniel stays in there. Are people like? Andy Biggs or an outsider who's going to come in and possibly challenge McCarthy doesn't mean like people that like Harmeet Dillon and, and people that she's associated with. Why can't they run not in official context, but right alongside of them for the entirety of the cycle, mm -hmm. not just when leadership votes are up to make a case for why this is bad, why this is wrong and what we need to do. You'd probably see a lot more. You might actually see Mitch McConnell 
held accountable for some of the shit that he's done over the last two years. If somebody like Josh Hawley or Rand Paul every single day went out there and had a press conference or just gave a soundbite on how he's tanking the party, how he's tanking the country. And it doesn't really matter if you're in a position of, like, Senate minority leader. Be a fucking leader, period. Mm -hmm. Not just when you're up on Capitol Hill in in one of your favorite committees dunking on people. Listen, Alejandro Mayorkas, easy target. Dr. Fauci, easy target. Any of these jerk-offs that come in from the fucking tech companies where you could put up tweets, like, from five years ago when they were 150 pounds fatter and had purple hair and was like, fuck Republicans, let's kill them all. And it's like, so you want a job in the federal government now, but this is your tweet. Would you like to provide context on this mm-hmm. and then when they give some bullshit answer you just absolutely posterize i'm like do that every day not when it's going to be on television not when you go on boomer sweats hannity which i thought was pretty funny side note right now mm-hmm. they ran reruns of hannity last night <laughs> because since his like fedity stuff has come out after january 6th where he completely like detached himself from the president was trying to like sabotage everything that was going on to like save donald trump's good name they couldn't even get a fill-in host for a show. Jeez. So they had to run reruns of Hannity, which I've almost never... Like, sometimes they'll do, like, Hannity and Combs, the, the old host, when it was, like, half Democrat, half Republican, the guy that died. They, they'll sometimes run old, you know, ones of that, but I just thought it was really weird. Everybody from Jesse Waters to Tucker and the Botox queen had viable subs in, and they didn't get anybody to fill in for Fedity. So, you know, Boomer Sweats has, has got some uh, reputation to make up before he's going to have Donald Trump on his show again. I can only hypothesize there, but... You know, just to wrap here, I think the fact of the matter is, is that we're going to hear a lot of bullshit between now and January 3rd. We're going to figure out what's going on with Speaker of the House, and it's going to be right into the RNC chairship. I believe the vote's on the 27th of January, and we'll see what happens there. But it's not who necessarily wins these races. Like, perfect example is Joe Biden. Does it matter that he won the presidency? No, because he's not running the fucking country. He never has been. He never will be. But the fact of the matter is it's the people that run alongside him that hold up his narrative, that call him a strong leader, that call us all insurrectionists and, and you know, the people that are ruining this country and that we put democracy on the ballot every time there's a vote up. They do that stuff in the Democrat Party. We don't do that stuff in the Republican Party. We like to romanticize about election time and then feel bad when we don't get the out you know, the outcome that we want because we didn't get to put in the two, the four, the eight, the 10 years of work that goes in before that. And I think that's the biggest part of what we're missing out on here. And I think that's the biggest part of what we need to fix. We have such a finite amount of time, you know, 600 some odd days until we go to the ballot box again in 2024. And there is a lot to start fixing. And we haven't even got to the starting line of that yet. So as we're getting ready to wrap here, I think this was a pretty good dry run and uh, narrative test for everybody here on the show as we're getting ready to come in hot, guest star-studded lineup on on friday with our 200 episodes of the show so good test run guys and girls and uh we'll just pick it up on friday just like that we've solved not world hunger or racism christmas hangover nailed it got him if you enjoyed this episode would like to hear the other nearly 200 episodes of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. You can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podata, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Broku app. We're even on Frank's Beach. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to us today because we're the only ones that showed up. Asshole. It'll be a lot better on Friday, I can assure you. But <laughs> hopefully the narrative was good enough to get you uh, safely back to your holiday season travel destination guys don't forget to go out and throw some of those uh christmas cards you got from grandma stuffed with cash at our partners because when you do that 
It only helps make small American businesses great again, namely MyPillow. Mike Lindell is continuing his holiday sale through the new year, up to 80% off on some items. Can't beat that. Mm-mm. In addition, if you're more of a morning person, he's got my coffee. Listen, if you buy stuff from MyPillow, he's honoring a 100% money-back guarantee all the way through March, but you ain't sending that back. Wait, you mean I can wear the moccasins and get them all stinky and then just send them back? Only if you don't like him. Remember, he is a man of God. Yeah, I probably would. I probably like him. How dare you? Wasn't I supposed to get some of those? Yes. <laughs> and a promo code steak here, you're going to get the big, big savings. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you could always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that I've ever owned can only be found at Odyssey. You're serious. You're in the studio. You're writing music. You're doing podcasts, audiobook, whatever. Get yourself a pair of Odyssey headphones. Make the investment. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. My Patriot Cigars and their promo code stake here. 25% off through New Year's. Anything over 100 bucks, free shipping. $10 e gift card every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom loving patriots. Stay ready, your holsters. I mean, the only thing I can think of putting on it this week is a fully armed and operational battle station. Yep. If you want that on a concealed carry Kydex holster, send them a concept art and they'll get that order out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Man rubbing some chicken tonight. It's going down. Well, I'm going to do that too, actually. I'm going to do the air fryer chicken. There you go. Going to buy it as soon as I leave here. You buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it, throw it in the cooking apparatus of your choice and eventually into your mouth. Num, num, num. 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 No Harrison? I was waiting for the musical cue. Oh, there she is. Manrubs.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs, firearms, parts, ammo, and accessories. The newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to like everything they've got in their store. You're going to like their Instagram a whole bunch more. MediocreMedic.com is the website there. And last but certainly not least, just go get a Zero Fucks Duck. Time to change Santa. I don't know what we're bringing in here. I might have John McLean's up there, I think. He is. Yep. We could bring him down, and uh, I'm bringing in the Trump Mega one after the new year. Nice. Dumpbox.us is the website. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Upcoming shows. We'll be back Friday, 200th episode of Steak for Breakfast. Raheem Kassam, Cash Patel, Mike Crispy, Christina Bob will all be here. Alan Jacoby is guest hosting as well, and we'll have the entire pod team assembled. Ambassador Rick Grinnell is coming in on the 6th. Got a pretty decent show lined up for the 10th of January. Jorge Ventura, Christina Bob, and Cash Patel will be here again. And Christina Bob's coming back on the 24th of January to launch her new book. Can't wait for that. Friends of the Week, Holiday Edition post-holiday edition. Beastie Man 420, CSM Master, Siberian Kitten, our true social Twitch streamer crew, Indiana Zoomer, some t- call me Tim79 for true social as well. Internet friends, Ghost Hammer, always first to like the show on Podbean, William Asshole. S. No, he's not. <laughs> he says he loves us too. Uh, let's go uh, GOP Josh, the Upside Down Man, and Spoopy, who shares my <laughs> most spiciest memes. Nice. And shit posts on Twitter. The meme team. We've got uh, William of Akka memes. We got Steven Voiceover, dumbass Photoshop, that Southern dude. Mostly peaceful memes. John Hacker LA. Grand old memes. 
and Right Wing Savages 2.0. Guys, thanks to remember between now and Friday, number one, do your own research. If you want to know if there's really a difference on, on who's the head of the RNC or Speaker of the House, you can come and debate us anytime in the show. But in the meantime, do your own research. There's a lot of connectivity there that uh, needs to be uprooted and rewired before we can move on to just having good leaders. Number two, start a podcast. Not bad. Can't beat this. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. Everybody wants to use Donald Trump until they can't use him anymore. We don't talk about American greatness enough. It's time to start talking about American greatness again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 199 of the State for Records podcast. And we'll be rounding it up to 200 on Friday. Cash Patel, Raheem Kassam, Mike Crispy, Alan Jacoby, Christina Bob, all scheduled to be here. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan, Noah, later, Antoinette. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. And take care. You will turn to the dark side, and your precious rebellion will be destroyed. Oh, I'm afraid the shield generator will be quite operational when your friends arrive.